Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to CollinsLastStand.com. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 115. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by Xbox Series CRG, Chris Raygun. <laughs> Chris, how are you today? I'm doing good. This, you should see the sky over here, man. It's crazy. I've been seeing some pictures. It looks uh, like hell, basically. Yeah, in San Francisco, it looks like hell, like in Northern, Northern California. But here in uh, here in L.A., it's just kind of orange. So it, it looks like all of the uh, Breaking Bad flashback sequences from like Mexico. Uh, sure. It's kind of wild. Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny you say that, too, because we got an I don't think I use this message, but we got a, a letter from the audience this week about how everything in your life is now wild. And <laughs> this, I guess, includes the sky in Los Angeles yeah. is now also wild. So that's good to hear. Well, I hope you're staying safe over there. I hope everyone is staying safe where you are, especially if you're dealing with the California stuff and, of course, the hurricanes and the heat and everything else as the planet dies all around us or lives. I mean, the planet is also living when yeah, in some ways. Yeah. When it it flexes its fire, it's, of course, raising the ground so that it's ashes to ashes, dust to dust, as it were, Chris, if we're reading the Bible, 
something will grow anew, but hopefully a meteor or something, an asteroid hits the planet and we don't have to deal with any of that. It won't matter. The whole planet will be on fire. Yeah. If the asteroid or comet is large enough. Yeah. But and it'll get really cold. It will. And then we'll have an impact winter, as they like to call it in science. And we'll all die. So <laughs> welcome, welcome to, to Sacred Symbols. <laughs> welcome to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. The summer months are waning. Of course, we're moving into the fall and there's much to discuss today, especially about PlayStation's primary competitor, Microsoft, since they now have talked about both of their Xboxes coming out, when it's coming out, when they're coming out, the prices and all that. We'll get to that. We're going to get to that right at the top. But before we do, I just want to, again, welcome everyone. Thank you all for joining us on our weekly PlayStation podcast. Remember, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand, where nearly 10,000 of you do. In return, you get early ad-free access to every episode of this show, the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas to our show, and of course, access to Sacred Symbols Plus, our weekly supplemental podcast only for patrons. Last week, we did a little bit of a throwback where it was... Remember, remember Chris, in February, we did two episodes of the show, one about challenging us and our ideas, and then I did a second one just about challenging my ideas since I've been doing this for so long. There are so many things I've said people yeah. take issue with so i decided to do another one of those episodes because they were so popular very well very well received i'm wondering chris because i know you're traveling soon and all this would you like to go next would you like me to solicit some things for you to go through and you can do a solo episode to compliment mine how do you feel about (laughs) yeah that that sounds fun okay cool so that'll be the next episode of sacred symbols plus then thank you to the thousands of you that listen to that every week we really do appreciate it we know you have a lot of podcasts a lot of competition out there we do think ours is the best and i don't mean just the best playstation podcast i mean i think it's the best podcast yeah of any podcast yeah just in general out there right now yeah so uh thank you so much for your kindness generosity and support of that and remember of course we announced last week that twin breaker a sacred symbols adventure which was on or is already on ps4 and vita as of march earlier this year is coming to switch xbox one and pc on September 23rd via our friends at East Asia Soft. So keep an eye out for that. That is only two weeks away or so. Not even. Right? No, is that? Yeah, that's right. Two yeah. weeks away or so. All right. Well, let's get right into the news at hand, Chris. I don't even want to fuck around. We'll fuck around in a little while. Yeah. We might as well talk about what's going on with Microsoft. So here is basically what happened. I think everyone is well aware of this, but Xbox Series S and Xbox Series X, the latter of which we already knew about. They're launching November 10th, and interestingly, the S will be $299.99 in the United States, with Series X being $499.99, so basically the same price as Xbox One was when it came out in Mm -hmm. 2013. There are notable differences between these two consoles, including the different pricing that will happen if you want to go and do the rent-a-center type pricing option, pay for it by month, which can also come with Xbox Game Pass and Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, and all that kind of stuff. So it's there's a lot going on here, and we're going to get into all of that because I really do actually think the pricing is maybe the most clever aspect of this. But Chris, what do you make of this news of the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S? Talk to me about what your feelings are. Yeah, so I, I was a little bit surprised by it. I was always kind of like uh, a bit pessimistic about the pricing of these machines because I had thought in my head that like, oh, it's been so long and they've waited so long to talk about it. It almost felt like they were scared to to talk about price because they didn't want to they didn't want to reveal a price that was too expensive too quickly because people would have more time to think it over and kind of mow it over and be like, ah, I don't I don't want to pay six hundred dollars for a new machine. 
But you know, I think I think four ninety nine is about as high as they could conceivably go without drawing some criticism. I think six hundred would have been obviously too much. But the series S at at two ninety nine for what is in that box is is uh really impressive. I think the rent a center type strategy thing that they actually this isn't the first time that they've done that. I think they I think they did that with the Xbox One X as well. Yeah, and maybe even the Xbox One. I'm not even I'm not sure, but I vaguely. I don't think it goes that far back, but it could. But they definitely have done it before on iterations. Yeah, since. and I yep. think that's uh, that's a really clever idea, especially now. I think it's really budget friendly, given you know how many people's situations are pretty uncertain at the moment. The thought of just being able to kind of pay a really cheap price per month to have really most of the bells and whistles of the next gen system with like a, you know an SSD and 1440p resolution, higher frame rates for a very low price. And with Game Pass kind of bundled in, giving you like kind of like this instant library, I think it's really it's a really competitive price and a really competitive value for what you're getting for what you pay for. It's it's kind of insane. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that this Xbox Series S, which is the long rumored Lockhart console, we knew that there was going to be some sort of supplemental console uh, console. This is what's interesting about this to me. Not only the pricing, which, again, I want to get into, and of course, some of the other stuff, they're even doing some promotions with Electronic Arts and others to kind of push this console. The date, I think, is interesting, and I think we'll see PlayStation 5 on the same date or the next week. I don't think it can be any other time but those two weeks, the 10th or the 17th, and we've been long saying that, but what I like about, or what I think is interesting, I don't know if I like it. I don't want to say that. Let me back up. What I think is interesting about this is that Xbox Series S is a different console, we're getting two different PlayStation 5s, but they're the same thing. It's just that one doesn't have a disk drive. Yeah. It goes way further with this because mm-hmm. the Xbox Series S is so cheap and affordable at $299.99 US dollars. I feel like Ron Popeil saying it like that, <laughs> that it's not just the diskless part of it, but it's that, as you said, it's not going to be able to play games at 4K. It'll play them at 1440p at the highest. I think I think it can get to 120 frames at 1440. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, 60, I think, would be the baseline. Nonetheless, what do you think about that? Because they're immediately moving forward with this. I don't know. It's not even modular because you can't really do anything about them. It's just there's just different tiers of consoles in a way that we've really never seen before. We started seeing seeing tiering and consoles. We started seeing redesigns, obviously, back with Atari 2600, NES, SNES and all of that. But but I really argue that with PlayStation 3 is when we started seeing truly different consoles at launch with different bells and whistles. Remember the PS3, you could have gotten it with like an SD reader and yeah. bigger hard drive. So that was when we really started seeing things moved differently. So we're not seeing a modular console that you can mess with. We're seeing two different consoles at launch that can play ostensibly the same games. And this allows them to broaden their market. But it means that they continue to have to aim at the lowest common denominator, and they're going to have to do that for a while. And obviously, we saw with PlayStation 4 Pro that it's not all bad because you can start reaching for the high end once you know what you're doing, and patching can give different performance modes and all of that. But I would be a little uncomfortable if I was an Xbox fan just because the existence of Series S means that you're not going to start reaching for the stars quite yet. And I'm a little concerned about that. I wonder if you think that's relevant at all. Uh, I actually don't think so. I, I, I think I, I think that's more of an issue with the promise of like next gen games running on the like architecture like the Xbox One and the Xbox One X. The the real next gen feature here really isn't 
resolution. It's really the SSD, which will like really change the way games are allowed to function and change the way games are designed and, and really, really give you a lot of that. What the next gen is, is, is about the SSD. It's not really about like what the resolution is because the majority of people in the country don't even don't have a 4k TV. And the, and even like a lot of the people who do have 4k TVs don't even have them set up right. So they're not even actually getting 4k because you need 4k HDMIs to plug into your 4k TV. And you have to make sure that it's the HDMI that runs 4k because some HDMIs, some HDMI ports in 4k TVs don't run 4k. So I, I actually don't think, I think the focus on 4k in of itself, and I've been saying this for a long time, is is really dumb because I think ray tracing and frame rate are like really the the things that are going to make games stand out. And you know, 1440p is like beyond fine to me. Like that is probably that is how I run games on PC. Um, it's like the optimal resolution. It's it's beyond HD, but it's not like so taxing on your hardware that it becomes a fucking f- uh, slideshow. So I actually think it's it's totally clever to have like a budget console that like, hey, you know, it doesn't do true 4K. It does 1440, but it can upscale to 4K kind of if you want it. But, you know, for for two dude, for 299 to to hit 1440p at like high frame rates is is still pretty insane. I, I, and I, I really don't think it's going to hold back the system all that much because the SSD and, and the, comp- the core components are still are still there. I'm. I don't know. I'm, I'm mystified by this. I don't know. I don't know if this is a really shrewd move or if it's not. It seems pretty shrewd, especially because of the pricing. And, and this is where I think things get interesting. So uh, I'm just looking at Xbox Wire so we get all of the proper information. And they say here, quote, Xbox Series S will be available starting from $24.99 a month for 24 months. And Xbox Series X will be available starting from $34.99 a month for 24 months. So Depending on, I guess, the bundle you get and all of this, it's it seems as if it's a moderately zero percent APR look at getting a console because you're getting Xbox All Access and Xbox Game Pass and all this kind of stuff. They're also baking in with, I guess, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. You're going to get EA Play in there, which is a nice value mm-hmm. as well. So I'm really most intrigued by the pricing option, and I, I hope for Sony's sake that they're going to do something similar because, like you like you said, the economic situation in the United States and around the world right now is not good, and it's it's unsteady, let's say, and uncertain to say the very least. So, dedicating twenty five dollars a month if you're living paycheck to paycheck, or you even are unemployed, and that's you just have a little bit of money to spend, that'll at least keep keep you entertained. It doesn't seem like you're necessarily going to be dedicated to having that by you might be able to pass it along or send it back or something like that as well. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're not worried about inflation and all of that, and you shouldn't be by spending something at 0% APR, spending money at 0% APR, then this is a really affordable way to get in through the front door. And the difference in pricing between Series S and Series X at the monthly payment, I think will convince people to just go to the Series X because it's only $10 more starts at only $10 more a month, but you're getting a much more powerful console. So yeah, no, totally. I'm really into the pricing scheme. Yeah, no, it's it's I think it's really smart. I think it gets people in there really cheap and it gets it gets people who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford hardware into the software ecosystem at a much lower barrier of entry, which is really where the money is for these companies. It's all in the software. It's all in subscription services. And I think getting people hooked on Game Pass is really kind of the they're like a drug dealer, you know? 
Just be like, sure. hey, you want you want a taste? <laughs> and then well, at taste. a certain point, you're just going to have this huge library and you're going to be like, oh, well, yeah, why not? It's the same reason that people still pay for Netflix, even though they probably haven't haven't watched Netflix, something on Netflix in months. Yeah, I was. It's funny you say that because I was scrolling through Netflix. I just watched that show away, which I actually really liked. Yeah. And it, it left something to be desired, but I, I liked it. And I was just scrolling through Netflix for like a half an hour. I just couldn't find anything I wanted to watch. There's just nothing I wanted to watch on that entire app. It was it was unbelievable. But there's this I don't know what you would call it. I guess a comparison chart from Microsoft that has been circulating where they kind of compare the two Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. They seem to have similar CPUs and the GPU situation seems to be much stronger on Xbox Series X. Not a huge surprise there with the flops and all of that. They have the same so-called system on a chip. And then RAM is obviously much more powerful or there's much more RAM on Xbox Series X as opposed to Xbox Series S. Not a huge problem there. And then performance target, as we said, 4K at 60 frames up to 120 frames on Xbox Series X. The target is 1440 at 60 up to 120 Mm -hmm. on Xbox Series S. Twice as much storage on one opposed to the other, though they both have SSDs and they can both be expanded with uh, an expansion card apparently, which is kind of cool. They're both backwards compatible fully. And one has a disk drive, one doesn't. They both have HDMI 2.1. And then obviously the differential in price, which is $200. So really intriguing stuff. I have some questions from the audience that will allow us to explore these issues with the Xbox X or Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S a little bit long, uh, more. Can't speak today. That's okay. It's one of those days, honestly. Starting with Ryan Milan, I thought this was an interesting one to start with, a, a surprising one. He says, hey guys, hope all is well. I'm writing in to tell you I'm going to do something I never thought I'd do. I'm abandoning my quest for a PS5 and jumping ship to get a Series S for this year, at least. The price point and the Game Pass features make it too good of a deal to pass up on. And with Cyberpunk 2077 being the only game left this year that I'm super hyped about for uh, hyped for, then I'm quite comfortable waiting till next year at some point to get a PS5. Miles Morales will no doubt be awesome and Ratchet and Clank won't be out till probably March. I can wait. The Series S will probably be used as a third party game machine combined with Game Pass when I eventually do get a PS5, but Xbox has got me with their great price and Game Pass features. Wondering if you think other people might have the same thoughts and jump ship? Anyway, please don't ban me for being a dirty trader and have a great <laughs> day. Ryan, you are not banned. I appreciate your candor. Does this surprise you at all, Chris? They have at least anecdotally won a PlayStation gamer over with this announcement. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it surprises me at all. I have I I'm actually in like a group chat. A lot of my friends are PlayStation people and even they had nothing but nice things to say about this pricing. And it's 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 a convincing price point two ninety nine for something that is ostensibly next gen that has an SSD that can go up to 60 frames as a baseline and, and 1440p. That's a really good that's a really enticing offer, even for somebody who's not even interested. You know, it's it's almost like just so cheap that it's. It just makes sense to just buy. It's 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 right at that sweet spot. And also, like when you consider, I, I just think Game Pass is the value of Game Pass is so objectively insane that I, I think it's just inherently alluring. It's just there's so much shit there. I, I think so, too. I think that the price is not only shocking to the system, but this pushing of Game Pass, this pushing of all access, this pushing of the EA Play special that, you know, you're still going to have to pay for that, presumably on PlayStation. That's probably a Microsoft deal. And that's not a huge surprise. EA Access was with Microsoft first. So when it migrated over to PlayStation, you had to assume there was another level. And I think we're seeing that to the exclusivity with Microsoft. But 
I got to say, I'm not going to not get a PS5 at launch unless I can't find one. But I think I'm going to get a Series S as well just to I'm not probably not going to take it out of the box right away. I'll probably just put it away. It's yeah. just good to have it around in case I need it, because there's some games that I want to play on there. I have this gaming PC that I can play games on as well, but I would much rather have a console. So, yeah, it's exciting. It certainly got my attention. I think they they got me to buy one, I think. And the pre-orders begin soon, I believe. Yeah, I think. Um, oh, my God. What was the day of it? It was like some sometime in the next like week or two. I think is when is when they start accepting. But it, it, I, I will stay. I will still say it's it's insane that it took this long for any of this to come out. And I was kind of hoping that PlayStation would take this opportunity, <laughs> or considering it was like just their anniversary, that they would like maybe do something. But it looks like they didn't. Still waiting on that. Yeah, we're gonna be waiting. I mean, it's got. I I do want to say it's got to be. It's got to be imminent at this point, and we will do our episode as like the next episode one sixteen as soon as we can. When it's announced, we won't hold off unless it's we record on Thursday. So if they announce it on like Wednesday, we'll probably just wait. But if they announce it on like Monday, then we'll just immediately do the next episode. So we'll be on that as well. By the way, the pre-orders for Xbox Series S and Xbox Series S start September 22nd, according to Xbox Wire. So that is something to look forward to if you have some money to burn and have some interest in the platform, which I wouldn't blame you if you did. Ethan Fitzgerald wrote into us on Patreon and said, hey, guys. The Xbox price has been revealed and there has been an understandable buzz surrounding it. However, I haven't seen much discussion about one particular aspect. The price was leaked by mistake and then confirmed by Microsoft. Assuming both leaked prices are correct, and they are because you wrote in a while ago, Ethan, this is such an odd way of announcing a console price, and I think it's just being lost on people. There was no press conference, no sizzle reel, and no hyped up trailers, just a tweet confirming a leak to be true when Microsoft could have just decided not to comment at all on the leak and announce it on their own terms. The entire thing seems incredibly haphazard to me. Do you find this as bizarre as I do, or am I just getting hung up on something that is ultimately meaningless? Well, I think the interesting thing about this, Chris, is who was leaking this and where it was coming from. So there was this one guy that I guess is like a Microsoft YouTuber that had the information, but the information was then confirmed by Windows Gaming Central, which is a pretty big PC and Xbox gaming website. Yeah. And so it's clear that this information was public knowledge and... I knew a lot of things, for instance, about PS4 before it was announced and didn't say anything because I didn't want to ruin my relationships, obviously, with Sony. But the basic I had I had a relationship with Sony at that time. But the basic thing is, is that once something leaks by someone, then everyone can kind of say something. It's kind of an understanding. And so once that information got out there, the image of the device leaked the date, the pricing schemes, like everything leaked. I think it would have been weird for them not to have said anything about it. Yeah. And uh, Neo JD actually wrote in about this and said, I know you guys will be talking about the Series S info, but I would like to highlight how well Xbox handled the leak. Some say they leaked it themselves, but judging by the timing of their replies to it late at night with not a lot of coverage, it looks to me they sounded the siren and tried to save face and it worked out pretty well. The meme they used was hilarious. And then a few hours later, they just flat out confirmed the S in this COVID environment. I was impressed with how, by how fast they moved. I'm more with Neo JD than Ethan on this. I actually think that the leak was unfortunate, but I think that they did a nice job by playing into it. I'm curious what you thought about everything going on that night, because I, I think it wouldn't have been wise to just wait for their ducks to be in a row when there's like artificial excitement now about their console. And so they played into it. I think it was very wise. Yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it, I think it was a good way to handle something that was ultimately not uh, super preferable. I thought the, the tweet that they tweeted was was pretty amusing. And I don't think they I think they probably were helped more than hurt by the, by the fact that it leaked this way. 
Uh, I think it got people talking. It got people like kind of intrigued. It was like, oh, is this real? It looks real, but is it? And, you know, the, the the teaser images that were revealed looked looked pretty legit to me, which is kind of how I knew it's like, oh, that's definitely real. But, you know, people have faked things before. So there was enough speculation in the air that it was it was just kind of fun to see what people were talking about. And I thought it was it was a little weird to kind of announce it like super late at night, I guess. But I mean, it's really only late at night for me, I guess. You know, the world isn't <laughs> the world's pretty big. Yeah. And also, I, I just I don't know. I don't I like that. they. It seemed like they moved quickly. Yeah. They probably also got a heads up behind the scenes from people that were asking for comments. So it's important to note that these journalists are likely professional. They likely have a relationship with Microsoft that they want to keep. And so when you break something, especially like this, like when I broke the PS4 the DualShock 4 story when I showed it off to everyone for the first time and confirmed that it was real. I didn't just publish it. I went to Sony and said, like, we would love comment you have until this time to tell me and then we're publishing and all that. So the wheels got spinning probably a lot quicker at Microsoft. And so they were able to cobble together a plan with a little bit more time than I think people are probably giving them credit for. But uh, Mm -hmm. nonetheless, I I think it's a really well done thing. I, I agree with you. I think that Microsoft benefits from this sort of leak in a way that Sony wouldn't benefit. However, I don't want to underestimate how beneficial this is to Sony. And I don't want to say that just to because this is a PlayStation uh, podcast or we're pro PlayStation. We're really not pro anything on this podcast. As you guys know, we're just PlayStation gamers. We love playing games on PlayStation. But I think this benefits Sony as well, because the date, the the date and the price are out now. And now they really can sit there in Tokyo and in San Mateo and say, like, how, what do we want to charge for this thing? We have all of the information that we possibly need. So now we can really lock it in. We know when it's coming out. I think they should release it the same day if they can. I think that would be very wise and very smart, especially because a lot of games are now moving to hit that release date, including Assassin's Creed, which we're going to talk about. So Mm -hmm. have your console out that day. I think it's safe to assume it'll be November 10th when the PS5 comes out, although we'll find out there was a week difference between the two consoles back in 2013. So I I do think that that's an advantage. And then if they were going to be flexible on the console's price, then I think now is the time for them to do that. And remember, the old Bloomberg reporting said that they were it was costing them about about four hundred and fifty dollars per console to manufacture. That's not to bring it to market. So I think a four hundred and ninety nine ninety nine PS5 with a disk drive is pretty much guaranteed at this point. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was any other price. I, I, I would be shocked if it was more expensive than that. And yeah, yeah, I would be surprised if it was even any cheaper. I don't think I think them meeting Xbox on price is all they need to do. I don't think they need to make it any cheaper. And then this discless PS5, we see what happens. I think they can get away with charging it, charging three ninety nine or three forty nine, which is more than the Xbox Series S. But I think their argument is going to be like, this is a PS5. Xbox Series S is not an Xbox Series X, but this is a PS5. It just doesn't have a disk drive. So now they have to figure out how to market this thing. And so they get a little, you know, get a little more time, a few more days to figure it out. I think by the time we're recording this on Thursday, the 10th, I think by this time next week, we'll know everything about PS5. Yeah, I I do wonder, though, I, I don't know if it's going to come out the same day. And, and it's definitely not going to come out before in my like in my view. I don't think it's going to come out in like early November. I don't think it's going to come out like November 4th or something. But if they if they if they plan on putting it out on the same day and they they've technically gone longer without talking about the release date than Microsoft has, despite the fact that there's such a small window of time that tells to me that tells me that it's probably like maybe a week later. Have consoles really ever had a history of going on the same day? I think Xbox and GameCube were the same week, but were separated by days. I think one came out on a Tuesday and one came out 
on a Friday, but no, typically they don't come out the same day. Yeah, I feel like that overwhelms. I feel I feel like there's like some like maybe maybe there's no rule, but it feels like a rule almost. You know what I mean? Or like maybe etiquette that you don't go on the same day just to like not overwhelm retailers or something. I really don't know. But it yeah, feels it's an interesting like, thing. I wonder if there is some etiquette there. That that is an interesting point. Yeah, because you don't want people. Some, yeah. You don't want people trampling over each other to get different machines and like. Set, I don't know. It seems like a weird thing, but I actually don't think they're going to come out on the same day. I think I think PlayStation is probably going to go a little bit later because I think they know that they kind of have the upper hand, or at least maybe they feel like they have the upper hand, so they can probably afford to wait. They have uh, a machine that has a little bit more pizzazz, I think, than the Xbox does. I don't. My my expectation just based on how pricing works is you're going to see a 499 PS5 with a disk drive and you're probably going to see 449 uh, or or at lowest 399 I don't think they can go 349 I, I don't think that's possible and I think that's a fine deal because I think that I don't know I they have to make the argument they have to con- convincingly make the argument like this is not compromised console which Xbox Series S is it is a compromised console yeah, we uh, maybe maybe the PS5 discless one is different in some way, but they didn't aim it like that. It doesn't look any different except for the missing disk drive. So like we we see the form factors of these other consoles. They're very different. Yeah. So I, I think they're going to be the same machine and they just have to be able to to market it that way. Just to be clear for everyone, I was right. Xbox, the original Xbox came out uh, November 15th, 2001 for 300 bucks. Yeah. And then GameCube came out November 18th, 2001 for 200 bucks, which I remember very well because that was so affordable. And that just goes to show you that pricing for video game consoles is so reasonable right now. Especially (laughs) if you have a a $500 ceiling. I mean, the original Xbox was 300 bucks. You can buy an Xbox Series S with inflated money 20 years later. That's like exponentially more powerful for 300 bucks. It's not too bad. I mean, it's not too shabby. With it, with an integrated library, like in the machine, pretty much. Right. Exactly. It's so it's 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 fascinating stuff. I'm really interested to see how this all evolves. It's very exciting. Now we're really moving. Yeah. Uh, now we're really going. So Finally. Really f- yeah, exactly. So PlayStation's got to be on the clock soon. We'll see who's right about the pricing. We'll see about the release dates. It's worth noting. And I think this is interesting because I'm just looking at the calendar. November 10th is a Tuesday. We know that games have moved or are coming out that day, including Assassin's Creed, which we'll talk about later. Sony could go. November 6th, which is a Friday or Mm -hmm. November 13th, which is a Friday. That would be the difference between GameCube and Xbox. If one went on the 10th and one went on the 13th, they could go the next week, the 17th or the and then the 20th is getting almost too close to Black Friday. So I would I would assume the 6th, the 10th or the 13th in there, but it would probably be the 10th or the 13th because you would assume that they also want Assassin's Creed at launch. It would be weird to say, like, our console is coming out on a Friday and then on Tuesday, a bunch of games are going to come out. Yeah, yeah. You want to be, you want to be ready to go. Yeah, it's it's not going to be before the tenth, and I just fe- I just feel like it's not going to be the same day. I I would bet the thirteenth. I think that's thirteenth like would be nice, or, or maybe like I, I doubt they would they would wait a, a full week uh, later, but maybe maybe the sixteenth or the seventeenth. I I would I would bet on the thirteenth just because they want to get in there. But if it's before, that means that they're waiting like a particularly long time. You know, they're giving people they're giving players like a a really short window of time. Yeah, you you would have to assume that at that point they're just trying to manufacture as many things as many of these things as possible to yeah. sell them because it's clear that there's going to be a shortage of these consoles. For sure. I don't know if there's going to be a shortage of Xbox. It seems like with these prices, there might be a shortage of both. So we will find out. 
We have one more thing that I wanted to ask you before we move on, though. Ben Sender wrote into us on Patreon. He says, is the Xbox Series S going to be a great second console for people just like the Switch? People are going to buy PS5 for the first party and then Xbox is content giving you the Series S as your or I'm sorry, Xbox is content giving you the Series S as your secondary console and Game Pass machine. Would you consider that an everybody wins scenario? So that's kind of how it's going for me, Chris. I wonder if you feel like it's going to go that way for a lot of people or if perhaps Xbox Series S will be the interstitial console like our reader or our listener Ryan said earlier, or if it will just be kind of enough for some people to play it on, on just Xbox. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think it, I think it definitely does fit that role of like a machine that you kind of might as well have just because of the value kind of intrinsic within it and the value intrinsic with Game Pass. I think it's going to I never really f- foresaw the new Xbox, specifically the Series X selling all that well, even honestly, the PS5, uh, given the current climate. But I did. I never thought once that the Series X was going to do really all that well compared to the PS5. But the, I, I genuinely think the Series S is probably going to fly off shelves just just at the price point alone. I, I really, I, I think it's going to sell more than people expect it to. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty bullish about it myself. So that's like we like area prices. Like that, I mean, it's a great in, price. It's it's insane. It's a great price. I mean, I totally agree with you. So. Eager to see how it all plays out. We'll obviously be keeping a close eye on this, both on Sacred Symbols and on Sacred Symbols Plus as the weeks and months move on. But Microsoft has gone. We know everything that's going on with them now. So again, November 10th, Xbox Series S $300, Xbox Series X $500. We'll see what PlayStation does in the next week or so, I assume. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Let's get into a couple of weird things before we move on to what we're playing. <laughs> uh, we didn't open with this because of the seriousness of the news this week, but we like to joke around on the show, as you guys know, and spend some time. We won't spend too much time on it this week. A lot of you guys wanted to write in about pizza this week. A lot of you wanted to write in about ranch dressing. A lot of incensed 
people about ranch dressing. You know what I We're saw? Gonna, you know what I yeah, saw on Twitter just moments before I, I uh, joined this call? People apparently put peanut butter on their burgers. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know how I, I like peanut butter, but I don't know that I'd, I like that. OK, good, because I, yeah. I was immediately like repulsed by it. And everybody responding to me was like, you ha- you just haven't tried it. And then I, I felt like I, I, I felt like a caveman in modern times where like I was just like, where has my world gone? Right. <laughs> where right. everybody is suddenly on the same page with this. This affront. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like peanut butter. It doesn't sound horrible at first when I first hear it. But then I consider, well, beef and peanut butter. It's just we that's weird. Yeah, that's a weird combination. It's, it's I don't think it's going to work. For it's me. too much for me. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work for me. Daniel Koning wrote into us, though, and said, hey, gentlemen, how many times can you confidently use a towel to dry off before it has to be laundered? It's a good question. Huh? How many times you can you confidently use a towel, confidently use a towel? Now, when I stayed with my mom and stepdad for a few months, when I moved to Virginia, while I was waiting for my house to be ready, I learned something interesting about my mom, which is because she was doing my laundry, obviously, as moms do. And she does. She uses her towels in the shower once and then washes the towel. And I was like, that's a pretty baller move, mom. I don't know that you have to have like a freshly laundered towel every time you want to get out. But that's your prerogative, of course. Yeah, you should have the nice, nice things in life. I typically use a towel for like a week before I launder it. Probably I hang it up when it's done so it doesn't smell. Obviously, you don't if your towel smells, you should use another towel. But I think you can easily get seven showers out of a towel before you have to wash it. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's about right. I, I, I typically like alternate between them. Like I have a bunch of towels that I just sort of like alternate on a cycle. And then like typically like I'll try and get as much use out of a towel as I possibly can, because in my in my mind, it's just. I've just come out of a of a of a of a room that's purpose is to clean me. You know, it's it's not like a towel is like filthy after I've used it. It's probably the cleanest uh, bit of cloth in my apartment. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. So it's really just like the the stale water and just sort of like the like just that kind of thing. So I think the second I start noticing that there's even like the slightest hint of a smell and you know how you can kind of tell when like it's it might start getting there i think that's typically when i'll i'll throw it in the in the wash but that could be anywhere from like seven to ten to eleven showers you know yeah it's sometimes it takes surprisingly long where i'm like okay it's i'm gonna nonetheless get rid of the shower and now in santa monica i had laundry in my unit and i obviously have laundry in my house but in san francisco i didn't have laundry and so you had to go out of the house and go to the laundromat. And that was annoying. So you, sometimes you try to push it to the absolute limit. But there's nothing grosser than a than a smelly towel, because then you smell when you yeah, use it. And it's yeah. gross. And uh, hey, it's like you might as well have not even taken it. It's gross. Like that smell is so distinct. I hate it. I hate that smell. So, Daniel, thank you for writing in with your thoughtful question. Josh Branham wrote in or Branham said, Colin, I've always wondered, but never asked. Why the fuck don't you have your license at your ripe age of 37? I'm not 37, Josh. It boggles my mind, especially now that you live in Virginia. How and why? It's interesting. I wasn't going to bring this up this week, Chris, uh-huh. but two different people wrote about this this week, which huh. I thought was weird. Did I you, don't know did why. you mention this recently? Maybe I must have, because otherwise that's just a cosmic coincidence. So I wanted to bring it up this week. First of all, Josh, I'm 35. I'm not 37. So stop making me older than I am. Damn, he really, he really sped you up. 
I know. I don't like that. I don't like when you make me older than I am. I already feel older. I already feel older than I am. You don't have to make me older than I am as well. <laughs> compounding my issue a great deal. So I went to college when I was 17 in Boston. And then I moved to San Francisco when I was 22. And then I moved to Santa Monica, which is a very walkable city when I was, what, 32 or 33. I just never needed a car. So I never got a license. I actually had a junior's license and, and I owned a truck when I was in high school that really never got used. So and then I ended up selling it for 500 bucks when I was in college so I could use the money to buy pot. So, um, yeah, I just never got a license. And this is kind of a perfect time to not have a license. Even though I live in like the middle of suburbia, I can get anything I want delivered. Anything. Yeah. So what the what is the more I'd argue that it would be more expensive and more annoying for me to own a car than to just do what I do, which is they like get my groceries delivered. I get, del- you know, f- delivery food delivered, obviously Amazon, all of that kind of stuff. And then when I need to go somewhere, I take Uber, although I haven't been using Uber since the covid thing began, but I'll start using Uber again soon. So I don't put anyone out by not having a license. It's not like I'm like asking people for rides places. I don't go anywhere. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to go anywhere. And when I do need to go somewhere, I just call an Uber. I've always been self-sufficient. It is different that I don't live in an urban environment anymore. So it's less on unu- or It's more unusual for me not to have a car like in my driveway in my house, which I don't. But um, that's how I survive. And I just don't want to get a license. It's also worth noting that I'm kind of scared of driving. I hate it. Oh, really? I, I haven't driven a car on a road since 2008, probably. And I haven't driven in a car like I drove around a parking lot a few times in like 2013 or 2014. That was the last time I. Oh, wow. Drove. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on, in the sense that like, yeah, it's probably more annoying to own a car because a car is like a, a kind of a commitment. It's like an expensive thing. Insurance is kind of high. You know, you've, you've got to like make sure it's doing okay. It's like a pet, really. You know, you got to make sure it's like oil has changed. The tire pressure is good. So you don't careen off in, <laughs> into a ravine. It's it's a bit of a stressful bit of machinery. I'm actually getting a car soon. Uh, oh. Specifically because a friend of ours is moving uh, to New York and he doesn't want to take his car. And he's got like, I think, $2,000 left on it. So it's like, oh, yeah, I'll take a new, I'll take a Toyota Corolla modern model for like two grand. I mean, I'll do that. Because that's sure. like at least, at, at the very least, that takes like a large part of like the, the expense tedium away. So I just have that's to worry very about like, that's a very affordable price. Yeah, that's insane for a car for like yeah. a 2018. That's not that's not bad at all. Yeah, it's so, very affordable. So that's that that's the only reason that I'm jumping into a car is because it's just so uh, mind bogglingly affordable. If I if I had to buy like a car from scratch, it's, it's the reason why I don't have a car now. You know, it's because it took so long to find a deal like this. Yeah, well, you waited and you waited and look at the deal you found. Patience so, is a virtue. It, that's what they say. So that's my explanation. I don't know if it satiates you or not. It's not like I live in rural America. If I lived in like the middle of nowhere, I would probably get a car because it would be unreasonable for me to expect that things can get delivered. But I'm surprised that you don't like driving. Driving can be pretty relaxing. You just blast 311 while you're oh, like yeah. oh, really, yes. really loud. You making fun of me a little bit? No, no, no. I'm saying like, you know, blasting music in a car is honestly like when you're by yourself in your car and you could blast music as loud as you possibly as you could conceivably want it without anybody telling you to like turn it down it's a it's a great it's a great freeing feeling that you can't even really have in a house or an apartment because you inevitably you have some neighbor you know who's like could you shut that thing off i know i i'm sick of neighbors yeah shut up (laughs) 
sick of hearing your goddamn mouth. Actually, my neighbors are really nice. I don't hear from them at all. But when I lived in apartments, it was obviously a different story at times, at times. So, yeah, no, I've heard this many times. I'm not opposed to ever learning how to drive and get it like really learning how to drive again and get a car. But I don't know. I, I don't. I'm an overthinker. The ironic thing about it, of course, though, is that there was a time for like from 2008 to 2000. I don't know, 2011 or so when I had a scooter, like a 250 cc Yamaha Vino scooter. And I just rode that bitch around San Francisco all day. And uh, I would have died five ways from Sunday if I got hit by a car. And I didn't seem to care about that. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me because you're definitely mm. way more likely to get completely destroyed on one of those. I will tell you that I never even dropped that scooter. That scooter was in pristine shape when I sold it. Never dropped it. Never had any issues with it. I believe you, but you understand that that's hard to believe. Yes, I do. I totally understand it. <laughs> I almost ate shit on that scooter a couple of times and I never dropped it. You're, you, it's, un, it's an unbelievable <laughs> thing, but it's true. You're the only it's person true. I know that has that has driven one of those vehicles who hasn't at one point, either once or several times ended up in like some hilariously ridiculous accident. I remember very clearly when I was driving on Geneva Boulevard in San Francisco and near cow palace where the sharks used to play back in the day and i was just not paying i don't know what i was doing but i looked to my side and then i looked ahead of me and there was this like van just stopped in front of me and i just jammed on the brakes and there was this big tire track where i did it for like months on the street (laughs) where i would remember where this thing happened to me but i didn't even drop it then it was unbelievable Uh, i would say it if i did i i I don't know how that's possible i don't know how it's possible yeah no it'd be a weird thing to lie about which is why i believe you but it's also like that is that's impressive Maybe I'm setting the stage for weirder lies yet. We'll find out. (laughs) All right. So, Chris, let's get into what we're playing this week. You and I are both playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. Yeah. Talk to me about it. Dude, I really I really like it. I'm really bad at it. Mm. Uh, And I guess when I was a kid, like because I have a lot of fond memories of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 specifically. That's the one that I played like a ton of. Uh, and I wasn't even like into skate culture at all. I, I had no interest in learning how to skateboard. I had no interest in Tony Hawk. I didn't even know who he was. It, it, it was kind of like Madden at the time for me. It's like, I don't know who the hell John Madden is when I'm like a seven-year-old who's right. not interested in football. But, you know, something about those games are just really satisfying. The combo chaining and just like the sense of movement and the sense of freedom and, and even just the sense of like arcade fun that's present in those games is, is really satisfying. But I guess when I was a kid, I was just just bad at it and i liked it anyway and and it's kind of the same thing here where i'm i'm just really bad at it i struggle with a lot of with meeting a lot of the basic like uh there's a lot of challenges in like the this the tour mode where you have to like meet a certain number of challenges to get to unlock different skate parks and i'm like i am sweating up a storm just trying to unlock a single one of these sometimes and it's super hard i'm really bad at it but it's it's really fun it it controls really well it's snappy it's definitely like an archaic type game. It's definitely got like an older feel, but it doesn't feel like hampered by it. The soundtrack is great. I found al- already I found like several new new songs to add to like Spotify playlists, which is exactly the same way that it's exactly the same function function that Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 used to function for me, where it would just introduce me to all this new music and it's doing the same thing again. I think that's really cool. They added some of the more quality of life changes from the i think three and four like uh like bouncing off walls and like reverts and stuff and it's just it's a really surprisingly good remake i i I wasn't anticipating 
I, I didn't anticipate liking it as much as I am. I'm having a blast with it, too. And I'll mimic what you're saying. I, I'm horrible at it. I think <laughs> I've always been bad at Tony Hawk. Yeah. It's been a long time since I played it. I have really fond memories of playing the first one. I, I remember so clearly getting it and playing it. And in, I just remember that period. It was 1999, the fall and winter of 1999 um, into that Christmas season. And even the Rage Against the Machine song that plays in which I, in the beginning, which I think is Gorilla Radio in the collection. Yeah. that I got that album, uh, Battle of Los Angeles, that same Christmas. So there's a lot of nostalgia, like 10th grade nostalgia tied up into this game for me. And my brother, Dagan, as I think a lot of the audience that listens to Knockback knows, is a huge skater his whole life, basically. He's just a huge fan of the culture and still skates in his mid-40s and, and all of this. And um, so we have a lot of connections there as well. I'm really OCD when I play games like this. So I've only played in the warehouse so far, even though I've unlocked the school, because I want to unlock or I want to like get all of the skill points or whatever from that map before I move on. That's yeah. just how I play games. But it's hard. Probably not a it is. It's probably not a reasonable way for me to play. But when I was looking at the trophies, there are trophies to get like, you know, millions of points and all of this. And I'm like, I can't stitch together fucking two moves in this game. And what's funny about it is I know how to play, right? Like you inherently know how to play the game and how to kickflip and do all the different board tricks. But it, again, the game is all about stitching these things together. It's a very interesting, almost rhythm game. Yeah. I don't want to say before there were rhythm games because DDR and all that stuff existed at this time. But Activision as publisher of this was also the publisher later on of Guitar Hero. And you can kind of see maybe some of the genesis of where those ideas came from, because it is a very rhythmic game. It requires a lot of precise fighting game like button presses and all of that. And just seeing the trophies and the challenges, I'm like, people must be playing this at such an elite level when I got to be honest with you, even though I understand that this button does this and this button does that, I'm still kind of just mashing buttons sometimes. <laughs> and so I'm not really playing it with the greatest amount of care, but I was very happy to buy it and spend money on it and let them know that we want more of this kind of stuff. And I saw an article on Push Square, which is a website uh, that I really like that we cite a lot on this web on this podcast. And they I think the title of it was something like, is, shouldn't we give some credit for to Activision? And and not only about this, but about other things like Activision's doing a pretty nice job lately. Apart from the dealings with Blizzard and the communists, it seems like activists uh, Activision is doing nice work in, the, in both getting some of its greater studios involved in different kinds of stuff. As we see with Raven, with Black Ops Cold War and Beanox and Vicarious Visions with this game, but also what they did with Toys for Bob with Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and what I think Toys for Bob Toys for Bob's making Crash 4, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So they're in kind of their own little renaissance period, which is funny because they don't really churn games with the exception of Call of Duty and some of these other titles. Do you agree that Activision deserves a little bit of credit for what's going on lately with the with their titles? Yeah, no, I think I think so. I think they're making a lot of smart moves. Uh, I think it's it's so funny that this really kind of all started with uh, with Crash Bandicoot. When they announced the Insane Trilogy, I feel like that was like the first time in a while that I'd been excited for a for a, an Activision title. And then that spiraled into like the Spyro Collection and Crash Team Racing, which was great, even though they did pull a little bit of a sneaky microtransactions thing with that that I'm still not the biggest fan of. I think they've been putting out quality stuff, even even if it's marred a little bit by some of that, you know, scummy or scummy, some of those scummier aspects. They're all like really good games still. I don't, I don't think they've put out a bad game probably since the insane trilogy came out they've been on a, a bit of a hot streak it definitely i think that 
We give a lot of shit to these publishers. I think a lot of it is deserved, but I think Activision's on the upward arc right now and seems to be understanding what their audiences want. Even with Black Ops, we make fun of that title and we talk about how Black, Black Ops is basically its own sub-brand with Modern Warfare and all of that, and we know that, but they're catering to what people want, clearly identifying the games that should be released, having a staggered and sens- sensible uh, release schedule, and I think they're doing an awesome job, so... Shout out to them and shout out, of course, to Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. I highly recommend it, especially as Chris was saying, if you if you grew up in this era and you played these games back in the day, it really does feel so familiar and it is so nostalgic to go back and play them, to hear the music. I totally agree with you as an older man myself now, a seasoned man, hearing some of the new songs. I don't listen to a lot of new music. I, I was also turned on to some of the new songs and the fusion of the new music and the old music, the fusion of the new skaters and the old skaters and stuff. There's a lot to like here. It's a, a pretty complete package and it's two games. So, yeah, and there's a third thing, too, in the the startup as well. I don't know what it is. That's just like, like free play and like oh, okay. uh, just sort of like non non progression based, like free skate, basically. But yeah, no, it's it's really good. It's I love a game that you don't have to know how to play to have fun with. You know what I mean? Like, and that's definitely like this this game. Like, I, I, I know how to play it. I'm not good at it. I don't really try to be that good at it, but it's still like just such a blast. I, I, I will say it's it's a bit of a bummer that there's no blood in it anymore. I thought that was kind of like a a little bit more of a fun kind of edgy thing about the original is like whatever Tony Hawk would like fall, like a gallon of blood would fall out of his head, <laughs> just sort of dissipate, dis- just dissipate into the air. But, you know, aside from that minor, that's like, that really is just like a, a minor gripe. Sure. I, I guess maybe it didn't scale well with the more um, realistic nature of the game. Now yeah. As to Tony it. Hawk's face is just like on the pavement. Like it's a live leak video. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's totally disgusting. So yeah, check it out if you guys want it. I think it came out at the perfect time too. We're kind of in a lull right now. So yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. I think it's 50 bucks. I think it's 50 bucks well spent, but you can be the judge of that. I'm also playing, and we talked about these last week, but I'm still working my way through Antiquia Lost, which is a Kemco role-playing game on Vita. And I'm still messing around a little bit with Mega Man 11 on PS4 as I slowly work. I'm just trying to slowly beat the game on hard so I can get that trophy. Um, And then I've been playing Habroxia 2, which is the sequel to the game Habroxia that came out a couple of years ago. I'm writing this particular game. It's a space arcade shooter. It's not out yet. We haven't announced the release date. I got a PlayStation 4 dev kit officially have a dev kit connected to the PlayStation software. It's actually really weird having the PlayStation like dev software on my computer. Um, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say what it's called. Yeah, but I probably can. I but I'm I'm not I don't know like what Lily Mo and what Barry signed on my behalf or whatever to get. Yeah, it's 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 just basic etiquette. Yeah, I'm not going to. But it's really wild. Like I work with this stuff on my computer and my dev kit is connected to the same network and I just like drag things like package files and things we're working on into this server like this this program and then it just appears on my PS4 and stuff it's pretty wild I've never had a I've had test kits before where you can like play games but you can't really do anything else with them this has like all of these debug settings in it and stuff it's really pretty interesting it's pretty exciting on my nascent dev journey to get that so I've been messing around with the game a lot playing it through we're trying to balance it it's really hard which I think is great so uh, really excited about it. I'm also not very good at video games anymore, as we've been talking about for the last two years. So <laughs> that might have something to do with it as well. But uh, yeah, Herboxia 2 will come out soon. So I'm just playing through that as well, spending some time with that. 
Chris, let's get into the news. We already talked about the big piece of news, which was the Xbox stuff. But there was a Ubisoft event, a second Ubisoft event, a second Ubisoft forward event that actually happened just a few hours ago from when we're recording this. So there are some new games to announce. Otherwise, there would be almost nothing to talk about this week of any consequence. (laughs) So uh, let's get through this and we'll get your take on these games and we'll get the takes from the audience as well. Number one. Perhaps the biggest reveal at Ubisoft's event today was Riders Republic, a multiplayer centric extreme sports game that supports such sports as snowboarding, skiing, mountain biking and more. The sandbox game seems to want to take advantage of the battle royale trend raging through the industry these last couple of years, but with its own X games like spin. The game will support more than 50 players per open world or event running at a smooth 60 frames on PlayStation 5, though the game will also be available on PlayStation 4. And it's being made at Ubisoft's NSC studio, which is one of its oldest teams and which was the studio responsible for the seldom discussed extreme sports game Steep, which came to PS4 via Ubisoft in 2016, a game from which Riders Republic obviously takes a ton of inspiration. Riders Republic will come to both PS4 and PS5 on February 25th, early next year. And if you buy it on PS4, you'll be able to upgrade to the PS5 version later on completely for free. Do you remember the game Steep? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like anyone played it. I didn't know anyone that talked about that game. Yeah, well, maybe they were just so busy playing it. That's a really good point. Thank (laughs) you for that. But these guys are making what seems like a spiritual successor to it in Riders Republic. Does this look interesting to you? Uh, Not personally. I'm not really all that into sports games or even even sports in general so this this especially like x game stuff like like biking and like i, I don't know like i've ridden a bike come on but <laughs> but, but uh yeah I, I think it's cool i, I think uh I, I appreciate ubisoft's putting this message kind of for like at the forefront of everything that they, they said today which was just basically like hey you know there's a free upgrade to the to the next gen version no confusion just Completely get it out of the way so nobody's asking about it. I think that's like a nice thing. I know that they're probably um, the only publisher, as far as I know, to really have a broad stance on this. And it's that's just nice to see. So I appreciate that. But this is definitely one of those things where it's like, you know, Battle Royale is already something that I'm not interested in. Multiplayer, like multiplayer sports games aren't really my thing, but it looks like a quality title. Yeah, I, I I'm not going to play it. I'm not interested in that extreme sports stuff either, but it just seems like such an interesting take on these ubiquitous multiplayer games. There's nothing like this. Yeah. And this is exactly what I think needs to happen. I think this is a really nice move by Ubisoft. I don't know if it's going to succeed or not, but we have all of these battle royale type games or persistent multiplayer games and competitive games that are just shooters and similar things. There are other games, obviously, like Battle um, Rocket League and all of that as well. I was going to say Rocket League, but we know that that didn't seem to have panned out very well. Oh, Rocket Arena. Oh, Rocket Arena, rather. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting all confused. But this seems like something unique and genuinely different from a big publisher in a very crowded industry. And it drew my eye. I was like, well, that's a nice idea. I don't again, I don't know if it's going to work. It didn't seem like Steep did anything great or lit the world on fire. But this might be big. I don't know. I I don't know if it's going to be big or not, but it, it just seems like really appealing to people that want to play in persistent worlds yeah as opposed to by themselves i think that they i think they might be onto something with this game yeah no i think it's i think it's got potential and it's nice that it's a unique open world kind of like persistent multiplayer thing so that's riders republic february 25th ps4 and ps5 the second thing that i wanted to talk about number two is really exciting to me because i really liked this game the second biggest reveal at today's ubisoft event was no doubt the re-release of the beloved brawler scott pilgrim versus the world the game complete edition 
which first came to PlayStation 3 via Ubisoft way back in 2010, and which was taken off of PSN along with other digital marketplaces at the end of 2014 due to expiring licenses, which were never renewed. The brawler developed by Ubisoft Montreal was thought to be gone forever until around its 10th anniversary in August. People started to stir that it may be coming back. Lo and behold, it is. It's slated for launch on PS4 by the end of the year and will include all add-on packs and characters from the original. As the name suggests, the Scott Pilgrim game is based upon the Scott Pilgrim graphic novels, which ran from 2004 through 2010 and which spawned the popular film Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which launched in 2010 around the same time the game did. Uh, I was a big fan of this game, even though I am not. I've never even seen the movie. I didn't read the graphic novels. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just like brawlers a lot. What I remember about this game, and I think we discussed this, and I I think this is right, is that this game was local only on PS3, I I believe, and Xbox 360. I could be wrong about that. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. And so I... yeah. Did they clarify whether this is going to have I, online multiplayer? I didn't see anything about it, but if I were to assume, I, I think it would, it's probably still going to be local because I, I think that's kind of the point is that it's supposed to be like this kind of like old retro thing that you have to be at your friend's place to play. I think that was kind of the vision with the original also. I don't think that was like some necessarily some oversight. I could be wrong, but it struck me as something that was more intentional than just sort of not thought of. Yeah, by that point in the industry, we were getting multiplayer servers for lots of games. So it could have been a cut, a cut corner, but unlikely that it wasn't, to your point. I still think it would be nice for them to add it in. But this seems like such a low effort thing, yeah. considering when this was being buzzed around and then they have this announcement ready to go. It seems like they're just ready to port this and get it out. And I'm excited. I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up. I hope it has a platinum trophy this time around. I don't know that it will, but this is a really great game for people that like brawlers if you enjoy Streets of Rage and Double Dragon and River City Girls and all of that. You you probably like this game if you haven't heard of it. So yeah, check it out. Are are you a fan of this uh, IP, Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, no, I I mean I I read uh, a couple of the graphic novels and I read and I I love the movie, the Edgar Wright film. It's really really good. Uh, there's a moment in it that I think uh, you would love in particular. But yeah, I I like the series. I didn't really get that into the game. Um, I think at the time, I was just kind of looking for more uh more edgy things you know like sure. more, more more epic 3d kind of things i don't know like sure. uh, it felt a bit i wasn't really all that into like retro stuff at the time so it didn't really and i also hadn't really played many brawlers up until that point i played like a little bit of streets of rage at like a friend's house on a genesis the angie's list you know and trust is now angie and we're so much more than just a list We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. All right, let's move on here to the next one then. We already talked about this last week, but we have some more information on it. Number three. Last week, we learned that Ubisoft's Gods and Monsters was officially renamed to the far more generic Immortals Phoenix Rising. 
And at the recent Ubisoft event, we got another look at the game. The open world action RPG fuses a cartoony look with ancient human lore and is coming out much sooner than you might think. It'll launch on both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 on December 3rd later this year. What are you thinking about this one? Uh, it, it looks so this one kind of confused me because it looked to me like, oh, this looks kind of like Breath of the Wild almost, right? Mm. Where like, it's like, oh, hey, here's this like big kind of open world and there's like, you know, combat and, uh, you know, monsters that you take down. But I, I didn't see anything. Maybe this is just me, but I, I didn't see anything that looked particularly indicative of a next gen title you know yeah i agree i think that this is a a core playstation 4 game that will be ported uh, or is being ported i don't think it's it's made for just that console yeah clearly it isn't i I just i fucking hate the name i just hate the name it's a it's really not good i just can't stand the name i just i don't understand what they were thinking with that name change it's got to be some sort of ip problem i would imagine gods and monsters isn't great either but it's certainly a lot better than this really generic game, a name Immortals Phoenix Rising, but it looks fine. I don't want to know that I'll play it, but we'll find out more. It seems like they're kind of pooping some of these games out. It's hard to know if there's just no hype for some of these games or if we're just not in the proper hype cycle because we didn't get E3 this year and we didn't get like proper Gamescom and TGS stuff. So we don't have that that inherent hype machine going, even though I don't like it. It just feels yeah. a little different. I don't feel like anyone cares about this game. I, I, I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I, I don't feel much about it. I'm sure it'll be fine, but it's it's I don't know. It, it didn't do anything for me personally. Yeah, Ubisoft doesn't really make bad games. It's yeah. worth noting, but it's whether or not you can tolerate what they're doing and whether or not it's any more than acceptable. Yeah, as well. This one I thought was interesting. This has been bumping around for a while, but I don't think it was what I expected. Number four, the leaks were true. Ubisoft has officially revealed the Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake, and it's right around the corner from releasing two. It comes to PlayStation 4 on January 21st, no PS5. It will not be a native PlayStation 5 game, but like with all other PS4 games, it will be backwards compatible on the system. Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time first launched back in 2003 on PlayStation 2, Xbox and GameCube, and it was later ported to PlayStation 3 in 2010. This remake seems to be based upon the original, which itself was essentially a revival of the franchise that had largely been dormant with only sporadic releases since the 90s. People will remember that Prince of Persia started as a PC-centric 2D side-scroller yeah. in the late 80s, and we know it now as a 3D game. Jeff Hughes wrote in and said, Hey, CNC Podcast Factory, I know I'm one of the five people who want Prince of Persia to come back as a series. I'm also one of the five people who wanted Mirror's Edge to come back. But I'm seriously struggling between voting with my wallet and paying $40 for just one game in a trilogy that should have been remastered Spyro-style. Where do you two draw the line between a remaster and cash grab and letting the publisher know you want something new a la Crash Bandicoot? It's about time. Please, Chris, will this into existence for me? (laughs) Thanks. So uh, this Prince of Persia game doesn't look very good aesthetically. I'm wondering if you think it matters because it is a remake of a 17 year old game at this point. But I do understand what Jeff is saying because we are getting like these fully reimagined Crash and Spyro trilogies. And others are doing it as well, while in the, at the same time, Ubisoft is really just remaking a 10-hour game um, and not doing it at the highest quality, it seems. Do you have any problem with what they're doing with the Sands of Time? Yeah, so I'm I, I'm not a huge Prince of Persia fan. I don't have that much of a history with it. I was like only kind of tangentially aware of it as a series. I remember, I think a friend of mine had, and he showed me like, oh, you can rewind time. And I thought like, oh, that's kind of neat. And then I just didn't really think about it ever again. But... 
this does strike me, especially in an era that is so rife with pretty incredible remakes, I would say. It strikes me as as a bit lazier to me. You know, the Insane Trilogy and the uh, the Reignited Trilogy and Crash Team Racing and, and especially now with like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 and Demon Souls coming out, I, I assume, relatively soon in comparison. I think I, th- I think this just doesn't look ready. It doesn't look up to par. It doesn't. It looks like a 360 game to me. Um, and I don't know how important that is to Prince of Persia fans. Maybe it's not. But this is not uh, like I-, I guess I didn't understand how high my bar is how 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 high my bar had gotten for remakes until I saw this. Yeah, I, I don't mind that it doesn't look great. I don't care about that. I, I just I do think to this point, and I, I didn't really think about it until I was putting the show together today. It, it does seem like a little bit of a ripoff because the Sands of Time Warrior Within and the Two Thrones came out within three years of each other. It was a full trilogy to his point, And you do have to wonder why. Why we're only getting one, and I think the answer is because they're going to roll these out individually as $40 games and make $120 on them or maybe a little less. Maybe they'll they'll when the third game comes out, they'll put them all together at that point. But it does seem like a little bit weird. This is being made by Ubisoft's Indian studio, too, and they're not that experienced. So this might just be their attempt to take on one thing at a time. But I don't see the rush in getting this out if it would have taken a couple more years to just put them all together, maybe put a little bit more polish on them. And then to the point of the letter, then we can gauge and Ubisoft can gauge whether we really want more of this or not. Because I don't know that the the sales of this are going to indicate anything to them. I also know that they're not that enthusiastic about Prince of Persia over there at Ubisoft. And the, and the major reason I think for it is because Jordan Menchner, who is the creator of it, I think still has a share of anything they do with it. I don't think Ubisoft outright owns the the IP. I think they have the publishing rights to it. So yeah. they also have to clue in this other guy who is not one of theirs anymore into what's going on. I mean, he hasn't made a game in a really long time. He was the uh, he did work on Sands of Time, but he didn't work on anything after that. And he did a game called uh, Karateka, which I think he actually made before Prince of Persia and then re-released it later on. So He's not really active in this anymore. So with Ubisoft, I'm just saying that in terms of being financially wise, they might not really be that interested in spending that much time and money on Prince of Persia because they have to cut someone else in. Yeah. And yeah. That I just mean, might I mean, not I be could, that appealing to them. Yeah, I could see that. I, 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 th- I do think it's unreasonable to expect like a new Prince of Persia game, though, without testing the waters with a remake. I mean, if Crash Bandicoot has to prove himself with like an entire trilogy of re of re remade games and, a, you know, a racing game remake. Uh, j- just to get a new proper title like the, the Prince of Persia had no chance of not having some remake first. But I, I do mm. think this is uh, definitely not the best foot forward for this. I agree. And then finally, number five is just a little bit of a wrap up and then we'll let Chris uh, go off. In addition to Ubisoft's bigger announcements, they had some smaller announcements and reveals, too. For starters, Watch Dogs Legion, which launches on both PS4 and PS5 later this year, will include the original game's protagonist, Aiden Pierce, as a playable character. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, as we mentioned earlier, has also been pushed up from its release date, something that almost never happens. It will now be an Xbox Series X launch game coming out on November 10th, when it will also be available on PS4. 
The publisher also revealed that the PlayStation 5 iteration of its ever popular 2015 squad based shooter Rainbow Six Siege will support 4K resolution running at 120 frames with PS4 owners getting to upgrade to the next gen version completely free of charge, carrying over both player progression and in-game purchases. And finally, alongside the event came a video from company founder and CEO Yves Gilmont, who noted that the company is seriously looking into and dealing with all recent allegations made against it, its many studios and plenty of its personnel. Some people were a little confused why that statement wasn't attached to the entire show. I understand why it wasn't. It would have been a major distraction. I think that that would have been unfair to the majority of people that are just trying to work on games and get their shit out there. So I like that they separated it personally. I think that's wise. Yeah. But Chris, uh, no Splinter Cell. I was totally wrong about this. Yeah. So I wanted to let you uh, speak. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm pretty in tune with this with this kind of thing. Like, I just I just know I, I know when I'm not going to get something. And I, I was sort of sitting here waiting for, like, the Colin was right moment. But, like, it just never happened. And I was like, oh, well, we did see Sam Fisher, though. Uh, he w- he became an anime. And that was and that was what we got. And he said a bunch of generic nonsense that really, really just makes me think that they kind of have contempt for Splinter Cell at this point. Yeah, it really makes you wonder, doesn't it, what they're doing? Yeah, with that. I said, IP, it, I told I don't you, know. Though, like, I, I just, I, I don't know why they would bother doing all of this teasing if they didn't have something to say, but they'd never have something to say. This is the same thing that's frustrating me with uh, Insomniac and uh, and um, Resistance. It's like, what? Yeah, are you which doing? we talked about last week. Yeah, it's just it's annoying. That's annoying as shit too. I totally agree with you. Well, maybe Sam Fisher will be a new assassin. Yeah, in Assassin's yeah. Creed <laughs> Valhalla. Yeah, he'll get time traveled back in uh, back to Ezio's time, and he'll have to kill Ezio. <laughs> it'll be terrible. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Well, that's all the Ubisoft announcements. There are a few other things to talk about here as well. Number six, Activision is taking are talking. I'm sorry, more about its upcoming Call of Duty game, Black Ops Cold War. For starters, we have details on the game's two beta weekends. Beta in quotes. PlayStation 4 players get a special perk. The first beta weekend is only for players on that console. From Thursday, October 8th through Monday, October 12th, all PS4 players can check it out. But the 8th and 9th will be for PS4 owners who also pre-ordered Black Ops Cold War on either PS4 or PS5. The second weekend, which runs from Thursday, October 15th through Monday, October 19th, is open for all PS4 players the entire time period, though there are restrictions on other platforms. In addition, Activision and multiplayer modes developer Treyarch are talking about what maps and modes players can expect in the final product, at least partially. Maps include locations in the North Atlantic, Uzbekistan, Miami, Florida, and even Moscow itself. Modes include 6v6, 12v12, and 10v10, v10, v10 options, amongst others with more yet revealed, and obviously much more readied for various DLC launches. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War being developed simultaneously by both Treyarch and Raven is set to launch on PS4 and PS5 on November 13th, which might make it another compelling launch game for PS5. Yeah. If they go on that date. So there's that beta weekends, Chris. Call of Duty. I know you're excited. (laughs) Yeah. Really excited. Number seven, the ever popular, ever present sandbox game Minecraft is officially getting PlayStation VR support. Better yet, the support will be included with the game completely for free. While not specifically dated as of yet, the PSVR update is slated to go out this month in the coming weeks and is based upon the Minecraft VR technology that has already been launched on other platforms such as Oculus. As Minecraft is a Microsoft-owned IP made by Mojang, a Microsoft-owned studio, it makes sense that such functionality would find its way to PSVR last. But the game is otherwise 100% intact in VR with some UI and control tweaks available. 
Minecraft VR uses DualShock 4 and not PlayStation Move, mercifully. Minecraft is the best-selling game ever made at more than 200 million units sold and a staggering 125 million active users, which is more users than there are PlayStation 4s. It first launched in 2011 and came to PS3 in 2013 and PS4 and Vita in 2014. Minecraft VR, do you have any interest in that, Chris? Did you ever try Minecraft in VR on your PC? No, I had. I honestly, I wasn't even sure that that was even a thing until today. Well, there you go. But I, I definitely didn't necessarily have that much of a uh, a drive to experience Cube World in a you know in, in a completely stereoscopic 3D environment. I feel yeah, like you don't have a hankering for that. I yeah, I just I, I feel like I don't get like motion sickness or, or like anything like that really. Uh, but I suspect that for whatever reason would really fuck with me. I don't know what it is. Only one way to find out. Yeah, I guess so. Number eight. It should come as no surprise that The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is coming to PlayStation 5, but it is. And developer and publisher CD Projekt Red has made it official. There isn't much said about it other than that the PS5 version, quote, will feature a range of visual and technical improvements, including ray tracing and faster loading times across the base game, both expansions and all extra content, end quote. It will be available as a standalone purchase, but if you already own the game on PlayStation 4, then there's good news. You'll be able to upgrade to the PS5 version free of charge. The Witcher games based upon the Polish fantasy novels began with the PC exclusive 2007 RPG The Witcher. The Witcher 2 Assassins of, Assassins of Kings followed in 2011, this time migrating to console, and the series made its PlayStation debut with The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, which came to the console in 2015. So we are getting a native PS5 version of The Witcher 3. This gives me a little bit of pause because I was thinking about going back to this game at some point. Maybe I'll just do that on PS5. Yeah. When the time comes, I'd own it on PS4, so I, I get to upgrade for free. Is this something you're interested in going back to? I know that you like playing this game, just fucking around with it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think uh, ray tracing is going to make a world of difference. I, I, it really is like one of the most. Um, I think people I think people who might be layman's as far as like graphical terms and like, you know, you know, PC specs and all this, like, the, all this new shit that people might not have heard before. I feel like they're going to be surprised just how drastically ray tracing affects the games that even they've already been playing for years. So I'm definitely curious to jump back into this. I bet it's going to look insane. Number nine. According to website Push Square, a Hong Kong-based distributor of video games published and then unpublished a listing for a so-called Ninja Gaiden Sigma trilogy, which, if the information on the pulled page is to be believed, is coming to PlayStation 4 in March of 2021. Better yet, if the information is real, we don't have to scratch our heads and wonder which specific games may be included. Ninja Gaiden Sigma, Ninja Gaiden Sigma 2, and Ninja Gaiden Razor Edge are the three games purportedly included. While the package is clearly real, it remains to be seen if the release date is or when Koei Tecmo, the publisher, might officially unveil it. Ninja Gaiden Sigma is a fancy name for Ninja Gaiden, but ported. When Team Ninja reimagined the franchise beginning with 2004's Xbox Ninja Gaiden, it wasn't ported to PlayStation until it came to both PS3 and Vita in the form of Ninja Gaiden Sigma, launched on PS3 in 2007 and Vita in 2012. Ninja Gaiden Sigma 2 is therefore a port of 2008 of the 2008 Xbox 360 game Ninja Gaiden 2. Sigma 2 came to PS3 in 2009 and Vita in 2013. Ninja Gaiden 3 was released as such on both PS3 and Xbox 360 in 2012. Razor's Edge was a Sigma-like port that actually came to Wii U first in 2012 before <laughs> being ported to PS3 and Xbox 360 in 2013. The studio behind these games, Team Ninja, is also behind the Dead or Alive fighting games, as well as the popular Souls-like series, Neo. 
This is pretty exciting because I never beat any of these games and the Vita ports just never appealed to me. Mm-hmm. So I never really picked them up. But I would always like I like Team Ninja and I love Ninja Gaiden, especially the older ones. So it would be fun to go back to this. When I saw this, I was pretty amped. But it yeah. is not a PS5 game. It is a PS4 game, which is not a huge surprise, I guess. Are you into these games? Ninja yeah, Gaiden, I mean, I, I'm really bad at them and I never got far in them. But I really I really liked the original, the first Ninja Gaiden game for Xbox. And I played a little bit of, of uh, Ninja Gaiden 2. Uh, I think I, I think there was like a demo in two, in two thousand nine that I played a little bit of, but I like these games. I would I would definitely be down to jump into them. But man, this uh, naming convention is really convoluted. Yeah, it, that's why I wanted to explain it to everyone so that everyone knew what was going on here. <laughs> yeah. I remember that as well. I remember too. I mean, Tecmo Koe, they're Koei Tecmo now. They were Tecmo Koei back then. Team Ninja has been owned by them forever. That was a big get for Microsoft back in the day was getting Ninja Gaiden. It didn't sell a lot of units, but they're really well regarded games and that they were able to get that from Team Ninja, I think was a big deal. And Team Ninja and Koei Tecmo were long messing around with other platforms. Of course, Team Ninja also made Metroid Other M, which was just a completely random game for them. So and that was obviously on the uh, Wii. So uh, also a catastrophically broken game. Yeah, people remember that. Uh, Other M had a game-breaking bug that can only be fixed if you sent your memory card into Nintendo. Wow. True story, if you guys want to go read about that. Because remember, we couldn't accept patches. So, oh, yeah. So you literally had to put your save on an SD card, send it to Nintendo, and then they would fix it and send it back. That is insane. Uh, remember that very well, because it was like <laughs> unbelievable and showed how badly a patching system needed to be included. And they started doing that, obviously, with uh, 3DS and Wii U. All right. Number 10, if you're a soccer fan and you're looking for a PlayStation 4, then you may be interested in the new PS4 bundles that are en route for the upcoming annualized soccer game FIFA 21. The game is due to come to PlayStation 4 on October 9th, and the bundles will be available from that day in the US, Europe, Canada, Australia, and elsewhere. You can get a 500 gig PS4 slim with FIFA 21, one bundle with one controller and another with two controllers. You can also select the one terabyte PS4 Pro bundle, which can also come with one or two controllers. Finally, an interesting bundle will also be available that will allow you to buy the game with an extra controller. All bundles come with a voucher for Football Ultimate Team 21, as well as a 14-day, or it's FIFA Ultimate Team, I think, 21, I'm sorry, as well as a 14-day free trial for PlayStation Plus. EA's insanely popular global smash hit FIFA series began back in 1993 when FIFA International Soccer came to SNES, Genesis, and elsewhere and has run each and every year since. So those bundles are intriguing if you want a late-gen pickup of your PS4 or PS4 Pro, and you're a soccer fan, and I know many of you are. Number 11, this one's for you, Chris. If you're a Shenmue (laughs) fan, we have good news. Anime streaming service Crunchyroll and Cartoon Network's Adult Swim Productions are collaborating on a 13-episode anime for the beloved game series. While the game's creator, Yu Suzuki, will be acting as executive producer, it's also in capable animation and production hands, with telecom animation leading the charge. The team behind some of the popular loop in the third anime Shenmue, which began back on Dreamcast in 1999 and 2000, has attracted a passionate cult fan base over the last two decades. Shenmue was followed by Shenmue 2 on Dreamcast and Xbox in 2001 and 2002, and was followed by Shenmue 3 nearly 20 years later when it launched on PS4 in late 2019. I thought this was interesting and might indicate that maybe Shenmue is more popular than I thought it was today. Yeah. Crunchyroll is pretty mainstream, isn't it? I mean, this seems like a pretty mainstream move. Well, yeah, I think so. Well, for that, for for anime, yeah, and and for for that kind of media, I think I think so. I think it's a pretty big move. 
I, I do think it's funny that Adult Swim is doing it. <laughs> I think that's a pretty perfect match. Um, <laughs> I would totally watch that. Yeah, well, you're going to be able to watch it in 2021, it looks like. Exciting. 13-episode so, arc. And finally, Chris, number 12 is a wrap-up, as always. Website Gamatsu reports that side-scroller Guild of Steel is coming to PS4 in the early months of 2021. That arcade shooter Rangok Skies is coming to PS4 by the end of the year. That crafting game The Survivalists is coming to PS4 on October 9th. That action RPG Kronos Before the Ashes is coming to PS4 on December 1st. That zombie hunting game Onichambara Origin is coming to PS4 on October 14th. That's my birthday, so we're going to get some fucking pervy anime bikini babes that day. That visual novel Root <laughs> Film is coming to Western PS4s in early 2021. That side-scrolling game Blind Fate Edo Noyami is coming to both PS4 and PS5 at an undetermined point in the future. That turn-based strategy game Black Legend is coming to PS4 and PS5 in 2021. That side-scroller Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom is coming to PlayStation 5 at an undetermined point in the future. That classic FPS Rise of the Triad Remastered is coming to unspecified PlayStation platforms in early 2021. That FPS Graven is coming to PS4 and PS5 in 2021. And that racing game Ride 4 is coming to PS5 on January 21st, 2021. Website Push Square reports that turn-based RPG Warsaw Uprising is coming to PlayStation 4 on September 29th. Streets of Rage 4 publisher Dotamu uh, reported that the game has surpassed 1.5 million games sold while releasing a massive patch for the title. I think it finally balances it. That game's really fucking hard. The official PlayStation blog reports that adventure game Twilight Path is coming to PSVR in October. And finally... Racing game Dirt 5 has been delayed again. It was initially delayed to October 16th and then to November 6th. This time it's been pushed four more days and will now come out on November 10th, making it like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Is it Valhalla or Ragnarok? uh, Valhalla. Okay, I got it right. A launch game for Xbox Series X. That is all of the news. All right. For the week. Chris, we have quite a few new games to get into this week. Yeah. Coming to PlayStation Network. These are all PlayStation 4 games, I believe. I didn't uh, actually type that in here, so I'll make it. I'll do that so it's not confusing for you. There you go. <laughs> Tradition dictates that you start, Chris. So begin at your leisure. All right. Arcade Archives Gemini Wing comes to PS4. Gemini Wing is a shooting game released by Tecmo in 1987. On a secret mission, Gemini Wing, your objective is to control a gunship and reclaim the world from the insects. Oh, boy. The insects got a. Pretty big boost if they claim the world. Um, complete the stages by using eight different types of gun balls to shoot down enemies. Gun balls is what I just said. Gun balls. It's all in capital letters here. too. <laughs> yeah. Case Animatronics comes to PS4. Case Animatronics is a truly scary and challenging first person stealth horror game. Control of the police department is in the hands of an anonymous hacker. All exits are locked. Electricity is off. Metallic thumps are getting closer. Will you survive, Detective Bishop? Welcome to the police department where working late can lead to tragic consequences. Damn. Jesus Christ. Sounds like Portland. <laughs> D-Leveled comes to PS4. What goes up must come down and what comes down must be bounced. Send momentum from one. That's so what? Send momentum from one block to another to shoot them around the map. Cleverly conserve momentum to navigate around the map and flick all the switches. But be careful. Once you're down there. There's no way back up. This platformer has no jump button. Wow. All right. Doraemon Story of Seasons comes to PS4. Doraemon meets Story of Seasons in this new fresh take on farming. The setting is Natura, and the center of this land is the mystical big tree. Doraemon and friends will each take on a role to help around town. The theme of this experience is creating bonds with the town resident. 
residents while doing so and while doing so enjoying the heartwarming interactions through each character and the part they play in the story. But building a farm and raising horses and cattle like in other Story of Seasons games isn't the only things to do. Explore the town of Natura, go on adventures, catch bugs, and much, much more. Okay, Golf Zero comes to PS4. Golf Zero is a cute, fun, and original little game with a mix of clever golf platforming gameplay. To sink a putt, you must jump. Sprint or slide while active uh, while avoiding uh, unconventional hazards like brutal boulders, whirling saw blades or zinging bullets as the challenge increases. I think, uh, oh, I think Mad Max is happening outside my apartment. So I know it neat. sounds it sounds like it sounds grisly. Do you have what it takes to earn the gold medal? I, I certainly I don't. don't. Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning comes to PS4. The hit RPG returns. From the minds of the best-selling author R.A. Salvatore, Spawn creator Todd McFarlane, and Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion lead designer Ken Rolston, comes Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. Remastered with stunning visuals and refined gameplay, Re-Reckoning delivers intense, customizable RPG combat inside a sprawling game world. Game's supposed to be in really bad shape, uh, so I would wait on it until they patch it. Also, I would really question the quote-unquote stunning visuals. Really? Of uh, Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. Yeah, I don't think there's anything stunning about it. Yeah, I, haven't, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Yeah. But uh, that's a shame that it hasn't launched well. No, yeah, it's not in good shape, apparently. Minoria comes to PS4, an action platformer by the creators of Momodora. The story takes place during the Fourth Witch War. <laughs> it is a time of fanatical religious fervor. The Sacred Office, a powerful organization leading an inquisition against heresy, purges the sinners who threaten humanity. Those responsible for conducting a mysterious ceremony that contradicts the rules of the church are labeled witches. Uh, now, sisters Samilla and uh, and Fran, missionaries. In, yeah, <laughs> that's a really anticlimactic name. Fran Drescher, I think. Uh, missionaries in the church service set out to thwart the witches' ceremony and protect the common folk from heresy uh, that endangers the status quo. All right. The Witch War. The Witch War. NBA 2K21 comes to PS4. NBA 2K21 is the latest title in the world-renowned, best-selling NBA 2K series, delivering an industry-leading sports video game experience on PlayStation 4. With extensive improvements upon its best-in-class graphics and gameplay, competitive and community online features, and deep, varied game modes, NBA 2K21 offers one-of-a-kind immersion into all facets of NBA basketball and culture, where everything is game. Uh, Necromunda Underhive Wars comes to PS4. Deep below the nightmarish polluted hive cities of Necromunda in the twisted uh, vertiginous. Oh, I haven't seen that word in a long time. Wow. Dark tunnels of the Underhive. Rival gangs fight to the bitter end for uh, personal power, wealth, survival, and the honor of their houses. Only the strongest survive. Lead, customize, and grow your gangs of Escher, Goliath, or and Orlock. Uh, to uh, specialize each member and send them into battle uh, in hazardous, dystopian environments. Exploit the terrain in tactical gunfights. Climb raised walkways to take advantage. Set traps and ambush foes to force them into bloody melee engagements. Learn new skills, loot equipment, and bring your evolved gang to four-player online gang fights. Wow. Uh, yeah, vertiginous, causing vertigo, especially by being extremely high or steep. Yeah. I never even heard that word, I don't think. So I just looked it up. That's a good word. I, I, I read it in like something like 10 years ago. And I was like, that's a good word. But no one, t no one, no one uses that. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, break that out. Yeah. At some point. Akuno K.A. Madness comes to PS4. Akuno K.A. Madness is a platform game in which you play as K.A., 
a blue-colored hero who must save the world of souls from the evil hands of O's, his deadly enemy. You will have to jump, run, and overcome obstacles through unique and colorful worlds with more than 100 levels, go head-to-head with wacky bosses, find hidden secrets, lots of surprises to unlock, and even a more difficult world. Madness. <laughs> Just madness. Outbreak. Epidemic comes to PS4. Oh. The infection goes nationwide in Outbreak, Epidemic, an action-focused co-op survival horror adventure featuring the great Outbreak series gameplay with greater mobility, crushing difficulty, and more camera options than ever before. Alone or in two-player local co-op, fight through the campaign story mode, the wave-based onslaught mode, and the new experiments mode scenarios. Choose your survivor, class, and level up to unlock new buffs for your survivor as you face the nightmare. Whoa. Party Hard 2 comes to PS4. I think this sounds great, personally. Welcome back to the extended Party Hard universe. <laughs> Choose from hundreds of ways of dealing with noisy partygoers, including destroying a drug syndicate and save... I'm sorry, incidentally destroy a drug syndicate and save the Earth from an alien invasion. May the chickens be with you. You just want to get some sleep, but it's 3 a.m. and once again, your neighbors are having a loud party. You have to finally put an end to it by any means. <laughs> I was looking this up and I looked up the first one. This game actually looks really great. It sounds like... It's, it's kind of like Naughty Bear, which I was... Obviously, I have a beloved... Uh, place in my heart for so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go check it out party yeah I, I like the premise a lot quest hunter comes to ps4 quest hunter is an isometric action rpg where your choice drives the story find tons of treasures and secrets solve puzzles equip your character level up your skills and finish off enemy bosses play on the couch alone or with friends or make it an online party for up to four players all right rpg maker mv comes to ps4 an epic journey begins with you. Become a master game developer with RPG Maker MV. With an arsenal of tools at your fingertips, create elaborate, exciting, and memorable video games straight from your console. Then share your adventures online with other players who can enjoy your epic chronicles. The possibilities are endless with the latest and greatest RPG Maker software. It's worth noting that there is a separate RPG Maker piece of software that is free that you can download and access those games. So you buy the game to make the games, but you can actually play them for free with this downloadable module on PlayStation Network as well. Huh. Okay. What is this? Takotan uh, comes to PS4. The world has been taken over by an alien invasion. On the eve of destruction, humanity calls out for help. Takotan is a retro shoot 'em up, a shump, if you will, inspired by 16 bit classics. Save the world from alien invasion by shooting and dodging your way through uh, eight action packed levels with sinister bosses. Collect a variety of power-ups, including lasers, bowling balls, and ninja stars to take down enemies and defend the planet. Ooh. Tamarin comes to PS4. Explore, leap, and shoot to save your family from the insect invasion. Leap into action and discover nature in Tamarin, a third-person action-adventure game set in beautiful Nordic scenery, starring the world's cutest monkey. Pollution and destruction from ever-expanding insects sets the agile monkey into a fight for his family's survival. Explore an incredible interconnected 3D world brimming with primate platforming and blood splattering shooter action. That's two games about insects. Yeah. This week. And yeah. alien invasions. Mm. We had a couple of those already. All right. Here's an uplifting one. The suicide of Rachel Foster comes to <laughs> PS4 1993 Lewis and Clark County, Montana, United States. Ten years ago. Teenager Nicole and her mother left the family hotel after discovering her father Le uh, Leonard's affair with and pregnancy of Rachel, a girl her own age, who eventually committed suicide. Now that both of her parents have passed, Nicole hopes to fulfill her mother's last wish to sell the hotel and make amends to Rachel's relatives. With the will and determination to put that chapter behind her, she returns to the hotel with the family's lawyer to audit the decaying structure. So this sounds like a visual novel, I think. 
Yeah, I love the name, actually. Yeah, it's good. One of my favorite video game names is The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. I love that name. It is a good name. Uh, and I love this this name, too. Timberman versus comes to PS4. Timberman features a single player challenge to test your skills and unlock as much as 56 characters in local games to have fun with your friends. Grab your trustworthy axe, become a true Timberman and chop trees in three unique game modes. OK, Tin and Kuna comes to PS4. Rock and roll. Spin and smash through the colorful, chaotic worlds of Tin and Kuna. Explore levels filled with puzzles and peril. As Kuna collects power crystals, he obtains special abilities. Uh, jumping higher, catching fire, and attack and attaching to magnetic objects to rescue Tin. Use all your skills and abilities to bring the world into balance and defeat Chaos. Chaos with a capital C. We'll do what we can. We'll do what we can. Tony Stewart's All-American, it says raving, but it's racing, comes to PS4. <laughs> Built in Kelby also was all American raving. It's like a, it like takes place in the mid nineties. Yeah, built in collaboration with three time NASCAR Cup Series champion and twenty twenty NASCAR Hall of Fame inductee Tony Stewart. All American racing features an all new physics engine with U.S. legend cars, street stocks, and big block modifieds, along with twenty six brand new dirt tracks. You're in complete control of what you race and how you race it with totally revamped career mode. Build your enterprise and become a racing mogul as you expand your team across multiple series and build your organization into a racing empire. Vampire the Masquerade, Shadows of New York, comes to PS4. A standalone expansion and companion piece to Vampire the Masquerade, uh, Coteries of New York. While Coteries was a general introduction to the world depicted in the fifth edition of the hit tabletop role-playing game, Shadows uh, presents a more personal and unique tale. Your old life is dead and buried. Whoa. You have no afterlife to look forward to. Whoa. And your vampiric unlife is about to fall apart unless you solve an unsolvable crime. Welcome to New York City. And welcome to the La, so La, La Sombra clan, where failure is not an option. They are really pushing Vampire the Masquerade hard, man. Yeah. Right? There's a I, lot of games coming up. It's kind of insane. I love vampires, so it sounds interesting, but it sounds like it's probably not up my alley. I don't know. Yeah. Wintermore Tactics Club comes to PS4. Wintermore Tactics Club is a story about surviving high school with gameplay inspired by tactics, RPGs and visual novels. It was hard enough for Alicia at the famed Wintermore Academy before it erupted into a snowball war. Now our club's only hope is to transform from no but nerdy nobodies into fantasy heroes. Unravel a reality bending mystery, test your strategic metal against an avalanche of colorful characters, and don't forget to make friends. I'm going to probably check this game out. It sounds really cool, but mm -hmm. I love tactical role playing games, of course. So I might uh, give it a go and see how it is. Yeah. Word Herd is the last game. Comes to PS4, I assume. Take a break with Mia oh, yeah. and zone out of the daily grind with chilled gameplay and absorbing wordplay. Work your way from simple to unusual and abstruse words in this brilliant, twisty, word-finding puzzle game. With over 170,000 words and 90,000 definitions, you'll be sure to learn some modern, esoteric, and comic meanings as you try to beat your longest, rarest, and highest scoring words. With uh, 90 levels of word detective animal rescue in each of uh, each of the three game types. I don't know why, but seeing like numbers written out like that really fucks with me. Y you know what I mean? Yeah, it depends on um, the style you're using, whether it's AP or Chicago or anything. But this should be this is not right. This should be 70,000 written out and 90,000 written out as numbers. So regardless of what format you're using. So that's weird. Yeah, isn't it? But word heard. It, it, yeah. Isn't the etiquette usually like you uh, you write out the word for like the first 10 numbers and then like after. Right. It's 210 unless you're starting a sentence with the number. Yeah. 
then you write it out. Yeah. So a lot of different rules depending on the format you're into, but that is not I don't know any that would allow you to write that write that out. So that's a little annoying, but a lot of word games. Yeah. On PS4. A lot maybe. of alien invasions also. Mm hmm. So, yeah, nothing too crazy. I'm scrolling through it. RPG Maker MV will probably be pretty cool. RPG Maker is so much easier to play now than it used to be back in the PS1 era when you'd have to put your stuff up on like GameFAQs on Gex Drive and hope that <laughs> maybe maybe someone downloaded it. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I feel like something like that could work pretty well. NBA 2K21 is obviously going to be huge. Kingdoms of Amalur, I would wait because, again, it is supposed to be catastrophically broken right now. I think there's even a game breaking bug in it. So yeah, nothing too crazy. Yeah. Coming out. It's a simple week. Chris, tradition does dictate that we end each episode of Sacred Symbols with six inquiries from the audience over at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. Your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas. We have plenty of things to think about here, but I did ask last week for people to write in about their thoughts on the Avengers, the game that just came out. Yeah. A lot of people did, but I wanted to go with Joe Frantics. He said, hey, NC. I am looking. I'm sorry. I'm writing to respond to the calls last week for Avengers reviews. Having finished the campaign took me about 10 hours and played some co-op with friends. I can say that the game is dumb fun. While it is not some game of the year contender after playing the beta with friends, we decided to give it a go and we are having fun in what has to be the highest budget beat em up of all time. The campaign is enduring and I very quickly remembered how good of storytellers Crystal Dynamics were with the first two Tomb Raider games. There are a litany of technical problems and the game clearly could have used another delay, but I still can't say I didn't enjoy swapping between familiar characters and getting attached very effectively to Kamala Khan. The multiplayer is hop into an arena, sometimes with a weak story justification and beat up baddies with your friends. The biggest disappointment in all of this, though, is that there are six playable characters and they all range from five to eight in terms of how they feel to play. The flying is stiff and clunky and ranged attacks don't feel too impactful. Would I have preferred a 20 to 30 hour single player campaign with optional co-op? Yes. But for what the game is, I am having fun and will likely play for a while with friends popping in when new characters join the game. So that's one man's thought on Avengers. Have you heard anything from your friends? Yeah, I mean, the general verdict seems to be pe people like it, but it's it's not great. It's 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 just kind of a fine game. It's uh, based on like some of my friends experience. It's just really, really buggy and unfinished. There's a, a really viral um, there's a viral video. I don't know how legitimate it is, but it's it seems like it's actually in the game of of the Incredible Hulk walking down a hallway. Have you seen this this one? No, I haven't. It's a, he's walking down a hallway, and then somebody's like, uh, "Rough day, huh, Hulk?" And then it says "agreeable grunt" in the subtitle, but it actually straight up has like this random like placeholder guy saying "agreeable grunt." Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like it's a lot of like little unfinished things like that. I've seen a lot of like jankiness and like disappearing and like the game like straight up DJ skipping like an old CD. So it's it's a cobbled together mess that apparently is dumb. Like like you said, dumb fun. Yeah, serviceable. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, I hope the game does well. I hope people enjoy it and will obviously chronicle how it does in the time to come. It already seems like it's doing better than Anthem. Yeah, of course. So maybe it's gotten out of that danger zone, but. We'll see. We'll find out. Thank you for writing in, Joe. And thank you for everyone else for writing in as well. I did read your thoughts, but we didn't want to go too deep into it here. Anthony J. Sanchez wrote in and said, hey, CNC, I was wondering what you both think is the ideal timing for dropping DLC for an existing game and how to properly market it. The reason I bring this up is because two of my favorite games from late 2019 and early 2020 are dropping DLC soon. These being the Outer Worlds and Doom Eternal. There's been much hype for the Ancient Gods, which is Doom Eternals, but very little for Paralon Gorgon, which is the Outer Worlds, since the Xbox showcase. I'd be happy to hear your thoughts. 
Thanks as always. Well, Chris, are you looking forward to um, the Doom Eternal expansion? Uh, yeah, no, totally. Any 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 excuse that I have to go and play Doom Eternal and have some new experiences in that game is a game is is uh, is an excuse I'm willing to take. Uh, I'd never uninstalled it from any of the things that I own, so it's not going to be too tedious to jump back into it. Pearl on Gorgon, I actually got. Um, I'm actually planning on playing it on my flight to New York. Uh, so hopefully it's good. I guess I, I can report back, I guess. Are you but, playing on Switch? Uh, actually, I got um, I got a laptop specifically for editing so I could uh, edit while I'm home because my desktop back home is like completely borked. Oh, um, cool. So it's like a powerful, just like decent laptop with a pretty good graphics card in it so I can just play games. But I'm planning on spending some time with the Outer Worlds and that, and I'm probably going to get into Pearl and Gorgon soon. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think... I, I will say, though, as a general kind of rule, I'm I'm just kind of not the biggest fan of DLC in general. Like, there are obviously DLC that I like and expansion packs that are great and obviously games that I like, like Destiny 2, like kind of live and die by the quality of their DLCs, and I, I get that. But generally speaking, when I'm, when I'm done with a game, I'm just sort of done with it. And the only reason that I go back and play a game again isn't necessarily because it has something new to offer me, but because I just really like the game and want to play around in that in, in the, in the sandbox again. So it's never been this huge drive for me to like jump into DLC right off the bat. I, I don't really care when it comes out because it takes me years usually to play it. <laughs> yeah, Th- that's true though, because DLC all often dissuades me from even bothering until a, a, like a complete edition comes out. Yeah. Like, like, and in the case of like Spider-Man, Spider-Man is, is, is one that, really kind of bothered me because like that that game ended so strongly and it had such a great ending and the last experience that i had with marvel spider-man on ps4 was just kind of meandering and unimpressive because that dlc was just so obviously not going to have the production value that the main campaign did so it just sort of leaves the last taste in my mouth of that game being just sort of underwhelming when the last taste could have been really genuinely you know a great resolution uh, so unless you've got unless you're like making an RPG like uh, like the Outer Worlds where you're you're planning on having like this really bombastic and, and you know, worth your time expansion. I think for the most part, DLC just sort of falls flat for me and the timing of it doesn't really bother me. I am looking forward to getting into uh, the control DLC that I missed, but that's only like once the new machines are out and I can play it on a reliable machine. Just because I think it's it's been a, a long enough time that I'm like, all right, yeah, if there's enough new stuff in there now, I might as well jump back into it, especially because I really liked Control. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really uh, a big fan of DLC either. I typically don't buy it. Yeah, I think the la- I bought Felseal's DLC a few months ago or a couple months ago. Before that, I don't even I don't even know if I could tell you what the last piece of DLC I was I bought before that <laughs> was. I, I, I think I feel like RPGs handle it pretty well. You know, like uh, Fallout 3's DLC, I think I remember having a pretty good time with and and stuff like that. I know Witcher Witcher 3 is like famous for having like a incredible DLC. Yeah, it, it does. I think two pieces. Yeah. Big, big, two big expansions. I In terms of timing, Fallout 3 you brought up is a great example because Operation Anchorage, I remember, came out, I think, in January in 2009. The game itself came out in 2008 in October. So that's like a pretty perfect time, like 90 days. And then they had like a drop every month. If you remember, they had five DLC packs yeah. I mean, culminating with it was either Fort Pitt or Point Lookout were the last ones, like the big ones. I don't mind that too much. I think a year is 
is really long. I, I do like Sp- I didn't play Spider-Man's DLC, but I like that they even talked about it before the game came out mm-hmm. to kind of set up the expectation that we're going to have this stuff quick with the Black Widow or whatever the hell her name is. So Black Cat, Colin, Black Cat. Oh, Black Cat. Cat. I'm sorry. Black Cat. Sorry, I lost my Marvel nerd card there, I guess. <laughs> but do so Doom's Doom's timing is nice. I think Parallon Gorgon is a little late at this point. The game came out a year ago. So yeah. I don't know. I, but it, like to your point, it does depend on what the game is. The more persistent games, The Division and Destiny and stuff like that, we have different expectations. But since, since I mostly dwell in the single player space, if you're not going to have DLC out like pretty quickly, I'm probably not even going to play it at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm kind of with you. I I think um, I think the Outer Worlds one is is more intriguing to me simply because I I just never got around to finishing the Outer Worlds, so it just kind of gives me uh, an excuse to make progress on it. But yeah, I, I think I'm with you. James Olsen wrote into us and said, "Hey, Creamy Ranch Colin and Cooler Ranch Chris, the Super Mario 3D All Stars was revealed to seemingly nothing but vitriol." I was curious if either of you had an opinion on the interesting limited time release, both physically and digitally, of this collection. I also wanted to bring this up to ask if either of you had any insight to the seemingly endless outrage culture. People have complained that it doesn't include Mario Galaxy 2 or that 64 isn't a full on remake. I'm perfectly happy and excited uh, for this collection and the entitlement of fellow gamers has me baffled. Nintendo doesn't owe us anything and I truly feel like I'm going insane by reading everyone's reactions. Am I losing grip on reality or does Nintendo really owe it to their fans to meet these expectations? So what did you make of this announcement this is we're obviously a playstation podcast first and foremost but i thought it was awesome to see some of these 3d mario games you and i are both really fond of sunshine yeah obviously galaxy i think is a fantastic game i'm not a huge fan of mario 64 honestly but i i do love sunshine i do love galaxy mm-hmm. galaxy 2 not being included is a little weird because that's a great game as well but i was happy to see these migrate over but it is peculiar that it is limited i don't know what the point of that is especially digitally that's almost unheard of so yeah what do you make what do you why do you think they're doing this and what do you make of their whole approach well uh, i i think i think they're doing it because it creates this kind of arbitrary scarcity and a lot of people's my I, like i know i personally know friends who are really really frugal and who will wait for things to go on sale or who will who will wait uh, a long time before they get something just because they don't feel a, a real drive to get things right away and when they saw that this was uh even though that they saw that this was a digital game that had no reason to have a limited release, but was one anyway. They jumped at it and they they pre-ordered it. So it's a, it's a marketing tactic that works. It is scummy, in my opinion. I I don't think there's any real good reason uh, to, to to especially for those games. Like those games would print money if they, if they just released them normally. But aside from the annoying business tactic that they clearly employed and, and it's not like one of these situations where like oh, Nintendo's just so old and they don't know what they're doing it's like no they know exactly what they're doing they, they know how to create an arbitrary scarcity they, they they've I feel like they've been doing it for years yeah that's that's their whole mantra <laughs> yeah that's that's their whole business philosophy yeah but as, as far as like what the games are and like the package I'm very happy uh, I adore Mario 64. Uh, I adore Sunshine. I never actually played Galaxy, so this is like a, a great opportunity for. Just oh, you're me gonna to, love it for yeah. me to jump into Galaxy. That was the one I missed, Galaxy and Galaxy Two, because I just didn't. What a have game! A, I didn't have a Wii, uh, or I had a Wii, but like I, I wasn't gonna spend money on games for my Wii when I had a 360 and a PlayStation. And I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I am disappointed in one aspect, and that's the fact that Mario 64 is just like this rom version of like the original mario 64 and it's not the remake that they made for 
Nintendo DS, which was how I actually played it the first time, which was amazing. It was such a such a genuinely great game. There was a lot of extra features that they added in there that are just not going to be in this new one because it's just a direct port of the original. Uh, so that's a little, you know, th- that's a little uh, underwhelming, I think, especially because I feel like they could have easily just reworked the code from that remake into something that could function on the Switch. But outside of that one minor gripe and the fact that the business tactic is something that I, I, I don't really like, these are some of the best games that have ever been made, and they haven't been made available officially on Nintendo hardware in a long, long time. So I'm perfectly happy to put my money down for this. Me too. I'm going to buy it. And I don't buy many Switch games. I only own a handful of them, but this is definitely a must buy, especially with the limited edition stuff. So they got me because what probably would have happened is that I would have never bought it at all. Yeah, because I probably would have never gotten around to buying it. But you bring up a good point about frugality and, and kind of the anticipation of waiting for games to drop in price. But I would contend that Nintendo's fan base is pretty well geared towards understanding that Nintendo doesn't drop the price of their first party games. They just don't. So yeah. it is from that perspective, while I understand what you're saying, it's still weird. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Nintendo I fans buy the games immediately. I mean, look at look at fucking Animal Crossing selling, what, 16 or 17 million units in like 100 days. Yeah, it, it's it's I guess it's less of like a. It's a frugality that depends more on like the the person uh, more so than it depends on like the retailer where it's like, hey, you know, I might not be in in the optimal place to afford this right now, but because it's limited, I'm going to buy it anyway, whereas opposed to, you know, a usual situation where I would have easily waited a while until I had a sufficient amount of money to comfortably buy this thing. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are as well. I'm really excited to see what you think of Mario Galaxy, because I think that's a really, really special game. One yeah. of the greats. No I'm, doubt. Ex- I'm excited. Daniel Nichols wrote into us and said, just this week, PlayStation announced that digital pre-orders of Crash Bandicoot 4 will receive the demo for the game before it launches. The demo supposedly comes with two levels to play and is only available for the digital pre-orders and not the physical ones. How do you feel about this? It's been a long time since something truly ruffled my feathers, but I must admit this angered me. Tony Hawk's also had a demo for its pre-order customers, and whilst that one seemed less offensive because it was a remake of the classic demo we all remember from back in the day, this just screams of a dangerous precedent being set. What happened to a demo being a demo? The point of a demo is to play it before the game comes out and to see what condition the game is in, not to be some special bonus for those who are buying the game anyway. Am I overreacting? Is it really okay for companies to treat the demo in this way? Stay safe and keep on keeping on. I felt like this was a really great question for you, Chris, because this sort of collides two of your loves crash bandicoot and making fun of demos so i figured <laughs> you might have something to say about this what do you think yeah i i think i'm a little conflicted because on, on on one hand you know i would prefer to live in a world where we just had demos for everything and we could just we had the opportunity to see what it was that we were getting into before we plopped down an insane amount of money on it uh, i just think that's the more consumer friendly reality but we don't live in that reality and it sucks and on the other hand, you know, these are, how should I put this? I, I feel like these games in particular are games that don't necessarily, I feel like you kind of understand what you're getting into, if that makes sense. Sure. I, I feel like Crash Bandicoot and like Tony Hawk you know you know what you're what you're getting here it's 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 it might be different and there might be like some cool new things but i i don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world that uh 
that they have a, a demo available for pre-orders. Do I think that it should be available to everybody? Yes. But I'm not like, I'm not angry. Like, I wasn't bothered that I, I couldn't, that I can't play Crash Bandicoot because I, I'm very content waiting. But that's only because I know I'm going to buy it. If somebody was like really kind of on the fence and they didn't really know and they, they, would, they would have preferred to try it out, then I could see why they would be pretty peeved. It just speaks to this whole thing that we've talked about on the show in the past, which was that the intention at one point was to give a demo to every game. And we talked about how there would be some sort of workaround by just letting people download full builds of games and then playing it for a limited amount of time. It's almost kind of what goes on on Steam and then you can return it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I'm not crazy about this because I I do understand the, the point of what Daniel's saying here. It just goes... To show that there are going to be haves and have nots depending on the format in which you buy your games moving forward. And it's a hint of the way things are going and how they're not that worried about offending physical purchasers at all. It's a, it's a canary in the coal mine if you're a buyer of physical media. And I think you should pay loud and clear attention to what we've been saying for a long time. But what you already inherently know, which is that you're going to kind of become second class citizens as you get pushed to the side. They're not really that interested in dealing with you, especially because they just make straight up more money selling the games digitally. Everyone does, with the exception of the middleman, because the middleman doesn't exist on digital formats. So there's something to be said about this being unsavory, but it's certainly not going to be the end of it. And I think the semantic problem with this, too, is that they just didn't want to manufacture codes by which they would have to do and then include and mail to you would be a problem as opposed to just knowing you pre-ordered digitally that's connected to your PSN and then they know to give you access. Yeah. So from from a very semantic standpoint, I get it, but it doesn't mean it's right. Yeah, it's it's just a an incentive to buy it from a storefront that doesn't have a middleman, which I think is, is smart business. But, you know, I, I my issue really is with betas because I, I don't think I, I don't think you should need to put money down to participate in a test of something. Uh, I think that's far more egregious than like, hey, you want this video game and you're, you've put down the money for it. Here's a way to play it early because you've paid for it already. You know what I mean? I, I almost sure. feel like it's kind of like a perk of just buying something and having and showing support in that way. So it doesn't really bother me as much as, as much as betas do, especially when they're fake betas that are literally just meant to be essentially demos. You're right. And it's worth noting, I'm, I'm, you're right about that. I'm wrong. There, there is a distinction in Chris's opinions between demos and betas. Yeah. David Porges wrote into us and said, Shalom, Colin and Chris. Oh. Shalom, David. Do you think video game enemy encounters and design philosophy has become too stagnant and predictable? For example, when playing The Last of Us 2, I always know I'm going to be fighting a huge horde of enemies as the game suddenly is giving me tons of ammo and resources to craft. I feel that sometimes this ruins the surprise of running into an unexpected boss when the game goes out of its way to basically let you know to your face that there's trouble coming. The biggest problem with this for me, Chris, is just in third-person shooters generally, cover-based shooters. (laughs) Yeah, with the chest-high walls. Yeah, the covers everywhere. Even, like, especially when you're working your way through a... Gears of War did this a lot, where you're working your way through something... And nothing happens and you know on your way back that you're going to fight because there are, like you said, chest high walls and crates and stuff everywhere. So that's a bigger problem for me with the design than knowing that something's coming from the necessary the items that are around. It's more the way the environment looks that I think can sometimes be a problem The cover and all of that. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a level of um, artistry to that. I, I feel like there's something to be said about like telegraphing to the player that something might be happening, even though you might not know what it is, because it kind of sets up expectations that the game can then either fulfill or completely subvert. 
Uh, like, there were plenty of points in, like, Resident Evil 2 Remake where I would, like, happen across this room and there would be, like, four grenades and a ton of shotgun ammo. And I, and I would be like, what? Like, what is, what is in this next room? I know there's something. And uh, sometimes there was and sometimes there wasn't. And I, I thought that was, like, really cool because it kind of keeps you on your toes. And it kind of it keeps you on your toes and it kind of keeps you thinking about, like, what what the game is trying to tell you and like how it's trying to trick you in certain ways. And there are plenty of other games that do similar things, but I, I would agree with you. I, I think the chest high walls thing, this, this is actually something that the last of us does really, really well. The last of us two specifically, the first one actually was actually kind of bad with it. Uh, I think of like that first time. And when you're playing as, as Joel in, in the camp and you have to interrogate that guy or whatever the hell. And there's like this big courtyard with obvious chest high walls that serve no purpose. Right. Last of Us 2 is, like, significantly better about, like, how they disguised cover as, as parts of environment. But, yeah, I, I think that's a far bigger n- annoyance to me because it makes the game feel less... It makes the game... It, it makes the world feel a little bit more artificial and more like you're just sort of playing a part in, like, a, a stage play more than you're actually, like, in the shit. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's a, it's a design problem. I mean, there are a lot of them in games. This isn't the only one. I don't know how to really fix it without de-gamifying certain games yeah. that can't be de-gamified. Like if you're seeing ammo, for instance, I mean, that's just the nature of the game, right? Yeah, I, I don't even know if it's necessarily a problem. It's it's, it's kind of like when you're watching a movie and you kind of understand when the first act ends and when the second act starts or like when the when the climax is and you just sort of have that feeling of like, oh, you kind of intuitively know just based on the stuff that's happening and you can kind of gauge like where things are going. I, I don't necessarily think that's like a problem. I just think it's kind of understanding how to how to make something. Fair enough. Thank you for your question, David. And finally, we'll go to Ben Peace. He says, Colin, interested in your take on Kaepernick's return to Madden 21. He's rated as an 81, seven points higher than his last rating in a Madden game and higher than the ratings of 17 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, including your guy, Darnold, Sam Darnold, my boy, and his guy, Baker Mayfield of the Browns. So I don't know if you're going to have anything to say about this, Chris, but there was a pretty big deal to see Colin Kaepernick return as a free agent in Madden so you can acquire him if you want in the in-game season. The rating of an 81 is completely absurd. He hasn't played a game in the NFL in four seasons now. And him being better than guys like Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield is, of course, insanity. What's more interesting about this is that for his name and likeness to appear in the game, he must have made nice with Electronic Arts. And this is significant because I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but in the last two years, there were songs in EA or in Madden that mention Kaepernick in which his name is scrubbed from those songs you oh, know, wow. as they have like rosters of songs. So there was some beef and I don't know if it's between EA and him. I'm, the NFL and him certainly have beef. So his return is more significant because of that than anything else. I don't think Colin Kaepernick has a prayer in hell of playing in the NFL again. Um, I don't mind seeing him in the game. I think it's fun to have options. It's a fantasy. So if you want to have Colin Kaepernick on your team, it's cool that you don't have to make him. He's just there. And that should be the case with lots of borderline and bubble free agents that come and go from the league over the years. But it is a little peculiar to see him pop up as his chance at playing in the league is basically whittled down to zero. I think it's a move to placate the the social issues going on in the United States right now and his central role in that. I don't know if you have any opinion on this one way or the other, though, Chris. I know you're not a sports guy. Yeah, I really have no idea. <laughs> I have <laughs> Fair no, enough. I have no. I have no knowledge of what an 81 even means. Yeah, it's an 81 out of 100. Oh, right. Madden rates like you chart. on a bunch of right. They rate you on like a bunch of shit one through a hundred and then they average it out in some algorithmic way. And his rating is an 81. And 
as Ben says here, that is seven points higher than his last rating when he was playing. So that's insane. Yeah. And he has a better rating than 17. So more than half of the starting quarterbacks in the league right now. <laughs> so it's totally absurd from that perspective. But I don't mind him being in the game. Two different things. Yeah. I don't yeah. mind him being in the game. So uh, that's basically it. That's our, our episode of the show. I'm glad we kind of got all that out of the way so that if PlayStation 5 is announced imminently, we can just do a show only on that and not have to be distracted by frivolity. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, hope you guys all enjoyed our show. Thank you so much for your love, kindness and support. Remember, you can get every show three days early and ad free by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins last stand. That's also how you get access to the Patreon exclusive weekly show Sacred Symbols Plus, which I know many of you enjoy. Thousands of you enjoy. And of course, you can submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas that way as well. If you listen to us on free feeds, which most of you do, that's fine. Just leave us nice reviews and tell your friends and family all about our show. It helps us out a lot. Chris, thank you for your time. When are you going to New York? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. So you're gonna you're gonna be on a jet plane soon enough. Yeah, JJ the jet plane. I I, I chose to fly on September 11th brilliantly. Yeah. Well, you, between COVID and September 11th, they must be paying you to fly tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah. They canceled my flight actually this morning and I had like a, a whole panic attack. I had to reschedule it. Infuriating. I wonder if it would, probably because there was not enough people on it or something you would assume. I think it was. Yeah, I, I really have no knowledge. They didn't even send me an email. Like I found out when I like looked into the app to check in. There's oh, like, wow. oh, your flight's canceled. It's like sick. But uh, I don't know. Maybe visibility is just really low. I, I could see that happening. The sky's kind of oh orangey. yeah that's true that's true but then that's it didn't true. make sense that i'd be able to get another flight like a couple hours later so i, I don't know i don't know what the hell's going on everything's well, good in luck to you yeah, i agree everything is in shambles how long are you staying out there for a couple weeks uh yeah i'll be th- well there's a mandatory quarantine for about two weeks whenever you get to new york especially from like places like california so i will be staying in i'll be staying in like a, a completely isolated place for about two weeks where i could just focus on editing and doing a bunch of other shit and then two weeks later, I'll, you know, get tested sometime in that two weeks and then go see my see my folks, see my family, see my dog. Cool. Hopefully it Sounds remembers fun. me. <laughs> I will see. Well, it, I think it will remember you and we'll be safe in this new era of flying. Make sure to wear your ninja gear. Yeah, I will. And all of that. And uh, yeah, well, Chris will be doing the show remotely, but we already do the show remotely anyway, so it doesn't matter. Actually, we'll technically be closer than we are right now. So, yeah. Might even might even help us. Um, All right. Well, that's all for us. Thank you so much for listening. Be well. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Richmond, Virginia and Burbank, California, USA. This show is conceived by, is written by and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at No Taxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris R. Gunn and on Instagram at Chris underscore Ray underscore Gunn. Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom.
Jariah King, Nick DeMarco, Constantine Valencia, Avery Lewandowski, an unofficial controller podcast, Bjorn Campbell, Andrew Morgan, Gregory Slavinsky, Stephen Nieder, Ross Maranka, Zach Parsley, Jerome Ferreira, John, Jeremy Shook, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Ben, Azan, Isaac Wasteman, Michael Vecchio, Joey Finelli, SL the FMA, Ryan T. Mandel, Jorge Palomino, Paul Joyce, Enrique Perez, Don Lee, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, P. Homeworld Hub, Dante Harris, Betty Ann Moriarty, Gavin, Colin Jewell, Nelson LeBlanc, Daniel Johnson, Zach Bonham, Jay Getter, Vexius, Greg Lada, Jeff Mercado, Galja, Todd Paxton, Darren Gardner, Of Fortuna, Boots, Megadet, Kevin Komaki, Saul Balcazar, Raul Melendez, Robbie Hensley, Bloody Fang, Eric Harden, Matt Martin, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Spencer Brand, TB Lightning, Antti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Chris Galvin, Ryan Murdoch, Jesse Owen, Mason Cadillac, Scott Lovelace, Chris Bustin, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Michael S. Joshua Smallwood, Damon Weathers, Cody Bradbury, Carl Tolman, Richter86, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Donnie Nolan, Patrick Harper, Gerald Pennington, Greg Julefs, Blake Israel, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Connor Gashian, Lawrence F. Prokop, Organic Produce, Toothless Gibbon, James Kinslow III, Tyler Bellow, Mubarak, Alan Tremblay, McDog18, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubber, Marius Scarson Peterson, Ray Lasia, David Castanez, Throw7, Josh Yeager, Martin Beck, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gamer Filmaholic, Colin Davenport, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Josh Bushing, Dylan Burns, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Anton Kay, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixie, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, William O'Carroll, Phil Crone, Mike Wayne, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Sean Chandler, Petro Rose, Gio Corsi, Justin Wagaman, Chad Lewis, Shane Rayum, John Cordero, Mark Boggio, Keith A. Lewis, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Toby Schutman, Eric Bateman, Mad Mock Media, and Jonathan Rice. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 